Kevin Hart rides along. Ben Siller is once again out of his league, and Tom Hanks earns his first Oscar ever this week on 30-2010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of The Fours of our eighth season. I know that's confusing. Why am I doing this to newcomers? Should there be any? Welcome to 30-2010, the podcast that takes you 30, 20, and 10 years back in time from this very week to show you all the dope anniversaries and milestones of our pop culture past. This week, of course, is no exception, and it really, really ramped up. That could be just from the perspective of somebody who lost their power and internet for a significant amount of time. Hello, I'm one of yours, Chris Antista, because there was a lot to watch. Who else is with us? I'm Diana Goodman. There was a lot to watch, and I somehow managed to fit in most of it, even though Northern Exposure is streaming on Prime. Is that is that? I've never seen it. Is that no extra charge, Prime? Like, not? I don't have to no. pay like ninety bucks a season. No extra charge prime with the music intact, which is tough because when you have a show that's got a radio station in it, <laughs> you're going to have three or four licensed music pieces per episode. Did not work out well for not only WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, they got fucked. I saw like you can only now just get like pump up the volume on, I think, a man- made MOD disc from Warner Brothers because that soundtrack complicates it too. It's another radio centric thing. God damn it. Uh, and who else is with us? And I'm J.R. Rawls, and I'd like to join a brotherhood as long as they're part of some metal group. <laughs> okay. And with that, we may begin our show. Uh, starting out with a little, we'll start, we're recording from the week of January 12th through January 18th. Joined, as always, by our patrons, patreon.com slash laser time. Got a new Godzilla episode up for you, a bunch of fun VGA stuff. And a little late, but a Christmas classic that can be enjoyed any time throughout the year thank you for pushing that jr one of my favorite films ever um, there's the lost ark i would do that but not without you silly and <laughs> but it's a uh, spoiler it's gremlins ha ah. uh, <laughs> hopefully we can do it because it's delightful and then i rewatched it and it holds up so much listeners you have no idea how long practical effects can yeah. still look good until you watch Gremlins, which is a 40-year-old movie, and compared to CGI from yep. last year. And there's yeah. a couple of scenes where you're just like, this is better. That's shitty. This is still better. Shitty Hercules movie from last week compared to the Super Madness montage. Super Madness. Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> uh, Gremlins. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Give us five bucks. We'll give you hundreds of extra shows. More stuff coming every single month. A little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of 1994, January 12th through the 18th. The Duchess of Kent converts to Catholicism, the first member of the royal family to do so in more than 300 years. That sounds like someone who is bored and doesn't have a real job. Yes, that's <laughs> literally yes. She's yeah. married to the guy who's now 40th in line for the throne, and Catholicism just spoke to her. And what's fun is that all the rules and stuff say, like, you can't be married to a Catholic, you can't be Catholic. But none of the rules say anything about you're born an Anglican and then change your mind. Yeah, yeah, it's that white well, loophole. Yeah, yeah. The British royal family had numerous laws against Catholicism until very, very recently. Theoretically, it would be far easier for a British monarch to convert to Hinduism than it would be to convert to Catholicism. (laughs) So silly. It's silly. It's really silly. 
And, and, but, you know, it comes from the time where, like, the Pope also is in charge of half of Europe, like, literally mm. in charge, like, collecting taxes. So, yeah, okay. All right. Well, with the news, I don't see anything else. Most of it's super mm. depressing. Um, Chevy Chase is pissed his show is canceled. Vanna White sues Samsung for making commercial with a robot with the likeness of her. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, there's a big earthquake in L.A. coming around. But um, I'm more excited to get into 1994 movies through January 12th and 18th because Diane is here to deconfuse me about a movie I think I saw in theaters in the 2000s. <laughs> yes. Yes, you probably did. Yes. Because you probably saw it as Legend of the Drunken Master. I did. But in 1994, it was released as Drunken Master 2. It becomes one of the biggest hits in Hong Kong cinema history. We are in the middle of... Actually, we're toward the tail end of Hong Kong's golden era mm-hmm. of films. It's just everything's kicking ass. And here we have, I'm just going to say it, Jackie Chan's best movie. Whoa! Holy shit. That's kind of the consensus. This is it. I mean, he's in the shape of his life for what he likes to do. And and the yeah. idea that he gets drunk and does it like a thousand fighting. This is the movie that launched a thousand fighting game characters. <laughs> <laughs> I I do wonder if like people who get drunk and like to get into fights, this is like their perfect movie. It's the movie that uh, reinforces all their beliefs because that's his superpower. The drunker he gets, the better of a fighter he is. As as <laughs> someone who grew up in the South, I can assure you that type of person where I'm from won't watch a movie with subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I did not watch a lot of Jackie Chan growing up, so this is my first time watching this one. And yeah, I might agree; it's the best movie right. of his career because you've been subjected so to many. a lot of like twenty years later Hollywood horseshit that's not mm-hmm. very satisfying. Yeah, I I would definitely say this is Jackie Chan at the height of his powers in his youth. He's supposed to be a young man, but he looks maybe like three years younger than his parents. Um, but, you know, he needed all that time to really develop his uh, martial arts skills combined with his acting skills, combined with his physical comedy skills, and they are all on display in this film. Uh, if you're going to watch any Jackie Chan movie, it's this one. Mm. And I think Mr. Ebert would probably agree with me, too. Ooh. Good qualities, but... Yeah. There's a 20-minute sequence at the end of this movie, a fight sequence involving Jackie Chan and his real-life bodyguard, Ken Lo, who yeah. stepped in when the real actor was injured. Right. And it is the most amazing, sustained martial arts sequence that I can remember ever having seen in a Maybe movie. Maybe ever done, yeah. And it involves flames and fire, and Jackie Chan was actually burned while shooting this movie, and railroad cars, and falling from heights, and red-hot pokers, and, of course whole room fulls of furniture, you know, knocked over everybody's head. Yeah. And all done with this amazing, high energy, incredible verbal and, mm-hmm. and, and physical uh, agility that, that Jackie Chan brings they're to They're so it. good incredible. and they're having so much fun yes, doing they are. it. Yeah. They're not asking to take it seriously as any no. kind of a fight. It's more of an exhibition. It's like watching your... Gene Kelly in action when Jackie Chan is really moving. You twer- quit pandering to Ebert. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, yeah. it's... This, yeah, this, this is generally considered the one, you know, I think British Film Institute said is one of the 10 best action movies of all time. It's like... There, he's made a lot of good movies, especially in Hong Kong. You know, we mm-hmm. talked about uh, Police Story 3, Super Cop, which is also incredible. But this is the one, like, the first Drunken Master is really good. It's a lot of fun. And the whole idea was, like, we're up in the ante. And we're doing it kind of like how they do um, 
what's it called? Mission Impossible movies now. It's like, well, we're just going to build a bunch of incredible fight set pieces, set pieces, and I guess we'll figure out a plot around yes. it. Yes, not what American films do, plot first, choreography second. We'll choreograph yeah. a dope fight sequence, like, and we'll string yeah. it together. Yeah, and let's let's have, he's got to fight a bunch of guys who fight different styles. You know, there's going to be a Shaolin guy, there's going to be a Taekwondo guy, there's going to be a, a, a monkey style guy. I love monkey style. Me too. <laughs> so does my lady. I'm such a sucker <laughs> for monkey style kung fu. It's just oh, fun. Okay. No, kung fu. I see. Sorry. I mean, you know, or Mantis style. Mantis style is fun to you. But, you know, whatever you're into. I, I'm not going to yuck your yum. But, um, yeah, Drunken Master 2. I, I, I got nothing else to say. It's like this is everything that a Jackie Chan movie is supposed to be. Yeah, Period. Just, it's the I most was, of it. I was kind of shocked to learn drunken boxing is actually a method of yeah. kung fu. It's a real yep. thing, and it's developed independently a couple of times. It's really hard to trace because it just seems to be something that some guy training to do martial arts go, well, what if I were drunk? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, a lot I can of th- take a punch better because I'm drunk. There's so. a lot of things I've done that I wouldn't physically do without some booze in me, and I don't know if that made me better at hopping a train or jumping <laughs> off a hotel roof into a pool. But it felt like it did. I survived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I, that's, I mean, that's like half the fun is that he gets into a fight and he has to run around grabbing all the booze and pouring it into his face. <laughs> He's like, no, wait, 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 don't kick my ass yet. Wait. <laughs> I, I still, I still, I, I think I've remarked upon the phenomenon several times on the show, but it's worth mentioning because of how we play with dates. I thought this movie was much older than it is because that review we heard from Ebert is the 2000 review where like the Jackie Chanessance is fully taken over America. I don't, th- I can't think of an equivalent where like somebody is so popular and the material is so popular. We give a mainstream theatrical release to their almost a decade old film as if it were new and nobody, nobody complains. They just go see it. <laughs> and I doubt that will ever happen again. Yeah, We've talked before can't. about how uh, international releases are so much more Common. in lockstep mm-hmm. these days. And I just don't see, oh, yeah, there's this huge star who's now popular here. Uh, <laughs> here's all his old movies. Well, they've already been on Netflix for seven years. So Yeah, and, and also the idea of this, they tried to retrofit this as the first movie for uh, uh for global audiences and i'm not I, I i guess it can do that i I'd... i mean there's not that much of a plot you don't go into <laughs> drunken master 2 going no no I, I i need to know the events of drunken master it's, one to follow this. it wasn't uncommon with jackie chan's local localized films because of the phenomenon jr is talking about a guy down on a what do you call it outnumbered un- <laughs> undergunned survives boom jackie chan movie Fantastic, yeah, but I, I didn't see it oh, until yeah, 2000. Yeah, as Legend of yeah. Drunken Master, I'm confused as to, did you watch it streaming? Because where the hell is this movie at this point? I'm not sure. I know there are some slight differences in the cuts between Drunken Master 2 and Legend of Drunken Master, but it sounds like there's not enough for it to really make a huge difference. Yeah, I think you got to rent it, Chris. A- a- you got to rent it Allegedly, there's no global uncut version of drunken master 2 out there there's just all these different versions um at least yeah, on their li- original aspect ratio drunken yes. master 1 is free on prime really drunken yeah. master 2 yeah you got to pay for yeah get, it's called a gateway drug jr it's how they get you it's how they get you uh and then moving on to the next film kevin spacey and mckenzie austin in iron will run mckenzie <laughs> run <laughs> mush 
<laughs> Mush those those dogs away from Kevin Spacey. Oh boy. It's a, it's a dog sled movie. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of them compared it to White Fang that we had what like last year and said eh, it's not as good. I'm gonna say my dad's uh, Jack uh, Jack London fetish just is tingling right now. That's supposed to be okay. I admit I didn't get to it. We have too many heavy hitters to deal with. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Ironwell, let us know in the comments I what fools we are. And uh, then also out this week, did definitely did not see category Deborah Winger and Anthony Hopkins in Shadowlands. Man, this is the year of Anthony Hopkins and his repression. Because <laughs> mm. we already talked about Remains of the Day. And now he's playing uh, C.S. Lewis, the writer yeah. of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but also like extreme Christian. Which is great because this is a film that really examines faith in a mature adult way. If you're a person of faith, I think you can get a lot of uh, truth from this film. If you're not a person of faith, I think you can get a lot of emotional residence of how people with faith deal with the vicissitudes of life, the Mm -hmm. tragedies that befall all of us. And holy cow did this come out of nowhere for me i was like trying to find something to watch with my wife it's like okay let's do this for the show give it a few minutes we were both sucked in very quickly this is a amazingly acted drama um it's got such an incredible moving plot um it's really anthony hopkins playing c.s lewis coming to terms with allowing himself to care enough because according to this movie, and I don't know a lot about the real C.S. Lewis, uh, but according to this movie, he experienced a great tragedy in his youth uh, and he kind of walled himself off. So he didn't allow a lot of interpersonal relationships that would really matter to him until this Jewish American poet comes in. And if it wasn't based on real events, you'd call her kind of a manic pixie dream gal because she comes <laughs> into his life, uh, teaches him to love and then dies of cancer. Mm. And that's a huge challenge to his Christianity for him because he allowed himself to be opened up only to get suffering and pain. And what do you do when you have to suffer in pain? This is a great movie to examine that questions because we're all going to deal with suffering and pain, 100% guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I wish I had gone back to rewatch it. I remember it as being, it's a weepy. I ended up crying cry my little eyes out because yeah it's so sad to have someone you know uh, finally open themselves up to life and then life just kicks them in the fucking teeth but it's like but that pain is good like Mm. we grow from that pain like we're human because we have that pain and yeah his conflict of like he's he was i mean not just a christian he was like a theologian and that you know he is this woman in his life he loves but he doesn't think she's going to be in the afterlife like she hasn't accepted christ how how can this be? How can she still be a good person? And yeah, obviously people's religions are different religions, man. And I hope we all end up in the same place, generally, no matter what we believe, if we're like Purgatory. Decent, decent enough people. Yeah, whatever. Um, uh, yeah. Actually, Bahala. I got news, Diana. It turns out the Aztecs are the correct religion. Ah. Oh. Aztecs, so. I, I volunteer to be sacrificed. I, I'm not yeah. doing anything with this whole life thing. I, and, I think yeah. that would be so funny. Honestly, I really <laughs> hope that the real religion is an indigenous one that got wiped out and that everyone who dies shows up looking for St. Peter and they're like, I'm sorry, it's the white buffalo woman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, that mother, that... <laughs> That hippie mother lady you made fun of on HBO Max? It was her. That was yeah, the real Yeah, it turns Jesus. out she was, it was really, she dyed herself blue and <laughs> 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 nope, she was God. Whoopsie yep. daisy. 
All right, slight yeah, anyway. digression. Uh, one of my favorite shows is The Good Place, and they do have yes. <laughs> a character on that who gets high one night and guesses the afterlife correctly to every last detail. And the afterlife is, what the hell? How did this guy get everything right? <laughs> I thought it was a South Park joke, like, ooh, the correct answer was Mormon. Mormon. There's multiple jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, C.S. Anyway. Lewis was actually an atheist who then uh, went mm. back to Christianity. So faith was a huge part of his life and even if you're not a believer i do highly recommend his screw tape letters those mm. are some mm. amazing writings and you don't have to be a christian to enjoy mm. them and of course the narnia books have tremendous christian allegory um in them but this is a excellent movie showing his faith hitting the wall of pain and suffering. I recommend Big, his recommend. his screw letter tapes, which is mostly Sesame Street's <laughs> alphabet porn. And okay. I thought it was just letters to screw magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I found... I mean they're beautifully written. It, it was really something. Yeah, Shadowlands. Uh yeah. <laughs> Shadowlands. Grown-up grown drama for grown-ups. Uh, I mean uh, very moving. Yeah. It's they're all ganging up against Drunken Master 2 as far. It, Drunken Master 2 is the original hong kong release or is it is that what we're talking about yeah okay yeah 30 years ago because this i'm still in awe of how like the next movie penetrated america and i apologize for using that term joanne woodward antonio banderas <laughs> mary steenburgen jason robards denzel washington and tom hanks in uh, jonathan demi's philadelphia TriStar Pictures presents... Where is your compassion? You didn't know he was sick. Did you, Bob? Tom Hanks. Might be fine. Denzel Washington. The law's been broken. In a film about the darkest places in the human spirit. Did you fire Andrew Beckett because he had AIDS? And the brightest. You fight for your rights. From Academy Award-winning director Jonathan Demme. See you in court. Philadelphia, rated PG-13. Philadelphia. And I, I'm pretty sure... Most people our age have some idea of what Philadelphia is as a film, even if you haven't seen it yourself. It has a number one signal I heard on the radio two days ago. And and it is not only number one at the box office, I can't imagine a movie like this. $200 million at the domestic box office. That's like $600 million now. That is more than Aquaman and Marvel's combined. <laughs> <laughs> and, it had uh, better fight scenes, though. Chris. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Way more magic, um, and that bathhouse scene, some more water than Aquaman. And oh. so, this is such an interesting turning point for so many yeah. people. Jonathan Demme is coming off of Silence of the Lambs, which is a huge success mm -hmm. for such a disgusting, horrible movie. And this is his blank check, man. He's like, I have the clout. Uh, his nephew passed away from AIDS and he's like, what we need to address this. Mm -hmm. We need to make a movie about people's indifference and worked with uh, Ron Nicewanner, who also lost friends to AIDS uh, as a screenwriter. And it took him a while to crack because everything they came up with ended up being an after school special mm -hmm. and preachy and boring and is not going to connect with people until they figured out legal drama. Yeah. The idea that the idea of your job being taken in. away because of who you love, which is maybe a little more relatable to capitalist American society. Your job is on the line. Yeah, well, also, it gives it, it more of a villain than this uh, yeah, disease, homophobia, which is horrible and 
awful, but you know, it's hard, you can't anthropomorphize a disease, yeah. whereas you can have one person represent bigotry. Yeah, institutional homophobia, possible. which yeah, it, and they're not. But also, what I love is that we probably people probably remember this as being very much an after school special, a very this is good and this is bad. And the bad guys, they twirl their mustaches like, yes, we must destroy them. It's like, no, they have an opinion. They're feeling towards someone with AIDS is the same as a lot of people's opinions. It's the same as Denzel Washington's character at the beginning of the movie. That's what I find. I watched this a few years ago and it, it is, it rightfully should be rooted in this time, but it just starts out. Don't hate gays. Just don't want them. Just don't, like he's not a very likable man in the beginning, which is not something you normally see with something this well, contemporary right now. Obviously, it depends upon your social uh, reference group. Sure. But in 1993, you could absolutely totally. say to large parts of yep. Americans, "I don't like gay people." Yep. That was not something that you get. Eddie Murphy for did. Sam Kennison did. Andrew Dice Clay did. They were all doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, or just like, hey, I got nothing against them, yeah. but AIDS is dangerous, so I don't want them around me. Yeah. Well, that that seems like it's a reasonable stance, except like, yeah, you can't get AIDS through hugging and kissing or breathing the same air or shaking hands. And, and you can even... Or having him be your lawyer. There's a scene in this where Denzel Washington characters is saying that, and he's like, okay, yeah, you say that now, What? but this is a new disease. What if we learn something different in five years? And now that's not a great medical opinion, but from a layman, you mm-hmm. can understand how he's like scared of this thing. Anytime there's a yeah. new disease, it's like, well, do we know everything about it? Mm-hmm. No. Do we know enough to probably know how you catch it? Pretty pretty quickly. That's That's something we discovered decently quickly, although... AIDS, it took a while. It did. Yeah. 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 It, 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 it took us. We talked about and the bad played on, if you want to know how that went down. Which yeah. is the only mainstream movie we have about the subject at all. Because, like, I, my yeah. awareness of AIDS couldn't have been higher at, in 1993. But, like, the, we didn't oh. see it depicted anywhere in mainstream media. My sex eds classes might have well have been like the AIDS class yeah. because they pounded yeah. this yes. into us. And Man, that's crazy to think about. If your kids have sex ed classes, they're probably spending much less time on AIDS. Where for us, yeah, that was like the next two days are going to be about AIDS because this will kill, yeah. sex yeah. can kill you. Yeah, that was the message. It was definitely, mm-hmm. you can absolutely die if you have sex. And that was, you know. Wow. Yeah, I never thought about powerful that. Powerful thing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, was- and so, yeah, and this is huh, this is the bad old days, you know, when our treatments were not great. We also talked about Dallas Buyers Club, which is I think it's so much such a worse movie on the same topic. I, I, <laughs> but, I, I, I only uh, I only just like uh, not to take away from the bigotry of it all, because obviously that's there in the movie. But it's mm-hmm. one of those irritations you see in systems of power where like I think these guys thinks like part of them thinks we don't hate this guy because he's gay. But he's not allowed in the boy club anymore because he's weird. So we get to fire him even though he's great at his job. I'm like, no, that is how all these wrongful dismissal suits and keep end up coming about because rich white dudes getting uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's really not a mustache twirler because there's no. actually some lines in this where the like, uh, Christ, man, you didn't know he had AIDS before you fired him, did you? Yeah. You know. And that's when they're alone in, in private. So yeah, but a lot of nasty stuff said in front of him. I, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Cup of hot yeah. yogurt. Get out of here, man. Yeah. And you just have to, yeah, just deal with it. 
Okay, just <laughs> yeah. Don't. It's right. not. It's not about your your professionalism. It's about. It's about unsettling the 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 status quo of the social group, right. which technically yeah. shouldn't exist in a place of professional business. Right, but also it, it's making that excuse of, well, I'm not bigoted, mm -hmm. but some of our clients are. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm going to pander to them of like, oh, no, no, no. I don't care that he's gay. I don't care that he has AIDS. But some of our clients will. So we definitely can't have an interracial kiss on TV. I mean, oops. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's always the same thing where it's like, oh, no, I'm not the problem. Invisible people are the problem. <laughs> I'll never forget the celluloid closet. That's one of my favorite lines from my recent viewing of it, which Tom Hanks is in significantly talking about this fucking movie uh, where he, it was a gay guy just like, we all know we make more money than we should in this business. And there's a huge incentive not to rock the boat with subject matter like in Philadelphia. We, I get it. And we're all kind of complicit in it. And we were in the 90s and the 80s, even people who are very sympathetic to LGBT causes. But yeah, Cellular Closet is listed a lot in the anytime you talk about Philadelphia. Yeah. But yeah. this is a big recommend for me. Oh. It's a good drama. Again, well acted, very adult for adult movie. But this is the birthplace of Tom Hanks as a serious, serious actor. dramatic actor. He tried before yeah. in Nothing in Common and Every Time We Say Goodbye, both bombs, mm -hmm. both huge oh. flops. Yeah. Oh, Bonfire of the Vanities yeah, is his most yeah. recent one. That was a the, disaster. If he weren't coming off of Sleepless in Seattle right yeah. here, I don't know how this movie The insane last. thing is that Tom Hanks isn't bankable at all right now, seemingly. Because, like, one of my favorite movies, The Burbs, that was, that's where I knew Tom Hanks from. That's where I loved him from. That was a, I yeah. didn't know it was a huge bomb because I saw it twice in the theaters, but people hated that movie. There was stink on it. Well, it's the three punch. Mm -hmm. a Sleepless in Seattle. Philadelphia. Yep, and then next year. And then Diana's favorite film of all time. Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Yeah, next <laughs> Which year. We'll talk about. Yeah. Yeah, uh, next year. Yeah. Well, well things are going to be like boxes of chocolates and shit. <laughs> yeah. I think you're leaving out League of Their Own. That's the, that's true. That's the slip. Yeah. That's the a, ramp to the comeback. Not a Tom Hanks yeah. star, though. Yeah. No, Tom Hanks is now like, oh, dramatic star, movie star again. Also, this is, and I double-checked it, this is the last time Denzel Washington is second on the poster. Ooh. Okay. And he was obviously on a huge trajectory. We just oh, yeah. talked about Pelican Brief. Huge. Uh, this guy is clearly a movie star, but can he open a movie by himself? I mean, Malcolm X, that's a more of an artsy picture or whatever. Mm. His next movie is Crimson Tide. Who's the star of that? Yeah. That is Who is he up against? Uh, yeah. Hackman. He's the fucking star. Yeah. Uh, wow, that is that is sort of and and, and, yeah, I, and it was and it was a, kind of a risk for him. Yeah, totally. Like, first of all, this character is not <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, this character is not written to be black specifically, mm -hmm. but I think that adds a lot to like the idea of oh, sort of that polite bigotry. He understands, mm -hmm. like he knows what that looks like. Yeah, and also of just like yeah, we different communities have different feelings about this. The black community has not been great on gay rights for a lot of time it's getting there but everyone's getting there you know but so i read larry kramer the playwright wrote mm -hmm. uh, a piece about how much he hated this movie That's, at the time i can see it too and a lot of his i mean he was a huge age aids activist mm -hmm. and and a lot of his complaints i completely think are fair my favorite one is that he he's like 
Tom Hanks's partner, who the fuck is that guy? He comes <laughs> in, and I'm like, it's Antonio Banderas, you bitch. Yeah. But, uh, but fun fact, that, like, it, they, it was supposed to be John Leguizamo, but he turned it down to be Luigi in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Ooh. And you say, ooh, what movie are people talking about more 30 years later? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because no. it's true. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, this idea that, well, the character is desexualized. You know, we don't see him. You never, we don't see him in bed with his partner, he you dances. know, and that he, he, that his family is so loving and accepting, which is not true of a lot of people. And it's like, yeah, because they're narrowing their focus down to one specific thing. It's not trying to be all gay things to all gay yeah, it's people. Actually- a pretty valiant move because it's it's very loosely based on something that actually happened, but not mm. that person's life in any way. Right, and, and that person actually ended up suing the yeah. makers of this and won the lawsuit for an undisclosed settlement, and they had to admit later on, yeah, it's it's based on this real guy, yeah. but they didn't. And he do died that immediately. Initially, <laughs> who knows yeah. if they paid him all? Well, yeah, that's the other thing is they they did go out of their way to have actual people who are HIV positive in the film, several of whom. When I say the bad old days, I mean the bad old days. Several of them did not live to see the premiere of the film. Jesus Christ. It was to a this death day, sentence. Mm. To AIDS. this day, one of them is still alive. Wow. One out of more than 40 people. Wow. Because, yeah, it was in death sentence. Once the, the AIDS symptoms started, you got maybe a year. You are gone. That's It was so fast yeah. and so horrible and sudden. It really was just like. And yeah, due to the nature yeah. of uh, resource allocation from certain presidents, weren't treating the subject matter very seriously. And, no, no, just, and 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 that's never, why, like, and they're gone. Now we don't have to deal with them anymore. Once again, I always love the topic of representation and two straights and the two big gay roles. Mm. I understand. I definitely am with that, but also like, it was a very intentional choice to get a non-dramatic actor guy who everybody found affable to relate to this person in a time where this is like the most homophobic time I can remember as a kid where like, it's so casual. It's in the schoolyard, let alone what it's like in most people's homes and other social places. So uh, yeah, I guess you kind of needed to see a guy you'd known for 15 years succumb to this in order to really rattle you awake. And I feel like this movie did a decent job of that. Yeah. Well, I, it, it makes so many smart choices to, strip away other issues and just get down to the basics of how do we treat people with this disease and it's like if you find out someone has cancer you don't really treat them any different right Mm -hmm. like you feel bad for them you want to be supportive call them a little more why are we we treating this one so much differently because there's still relative contagiousness and homophobia around everything yeah because a lot of it is, is homophobia and paranoia and not understanding and what we need is more understanding. I love that the original title of this was People Like Us. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly just... the point they're trying to make. They're trying to bring in, and they're, they're using you know the legal drama to bring in people who are definitely not going to go see a message movie. Yep. And they're sneaking a lot of that message in under them. And, and I, I, I miss I the I love dim- that the, miss that the, the end. Oh. Yeah, but I, I love at the end where they show like home movies of this guy's a little kid. Mm-hmm. He's just... Yeah, yeah, he's he's someone like us. That's all he going. had parents, and he's a little kid, and he grew up, and he fell in love, and I love that they don't make him completely innocent, quote unquote, a perfect victim of how he got HIV. Mm-hmm. 
yep. he, he went they to have go to bathhouses and anonymous sex in movie theaters and it's just like yeah, yeah but i'm still a person and, right yeah and and are yep. we are we saying as cis white straights if we had that opportunity we wouldn't have been taking it up at every opportunity i, I would have would have if, we, <laughs> if it was possible to have straight sex in bathhouses and movie theaters i'd have been there day one first in line yeah i mean i guess if i were like super horned up if i wanted to find someone who's ready to go and i went to a porn theater that would make sense except that i don't want to be murdered yeah yeah sorry it's different I'm for ladies kind of the risk also do you realize we have two denzel movies in a row that have a gay porn theater in them yes and someone meeting their death in one where he's a lawyer too <laughs> and he's a lawyer yeah i guess no, I, he wasn't a lawyer before he was a uh, oh right a he's a journalologist in a, in a pelican brief and i'm yeah, yeah. glad so, i didn't yeah. heard a long time ago that really kind of rings true is gay men have sex the way straight men would want to have sex if women would allow them to act that way yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and I'm very glad I don't have to screen the title of the movie because Jr. found the clip of the thing I think of almost fifty percent in tandem with the word Philadelphia. Oh no! SNL it's it holds up as a very funny sketch because it is it was wrong then and it's wrong now it's just as wrong now. <laughs> it's, uh, where SNL makes a series of action figures based on the movie Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia, the critically acclaimed story of one man's fight against prejudice. Now, the battle for justice continues. In your home, Philadelphia action figures. There's gay attorney Andrew Beckett with flamethrower and launching net action. <laughs> Beckett's evil law boss with lightsaber. And it's the Jason sword. Robards action figures. There's defense attorney Joe Miller with jetpack and laser cannon. To our rural Philadelphia and then the world. Seeing court, sucker! <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. I just love at the end the kid does the Sega Philadelphia in the camera. <laughs> it's so good. And I, not to sidebar this too much, I for, forget the guy's name and I forget the name of the show, but he hosts a podcast our listeners might listen about prop collecting. But he was an SNL writer and uh, he created the sketch and like kept all this shit kept all those action figures <laughs> like why would i know these are awesome props <laughs> he's got the philadelphia uh, action figures that's from snl by the way if you we weren't clear okay. oh, philadelphia's got to be a hard recommend it's yeah no, no. i mean i think most people probably think of it as the eat your vegetables movie and i i find it so much more complex and interesting than i remembered it i i like could it. have easily been bad but it's not and i really like it because the aspects that don't hold up are the attitudes in our lives that have changed throughout my lifetime. And the older I get, the larger, the, the, the vastness of that just increases. And I, I don't know, it sends me in a different kind of nostalgia where things were worse and how they're better. And it, it, it gives you a different kind of feeling. And, and that's, that's why, not a light recommend, not a hard recommend, but a recommend if you're in, in for something like that. Because, uh, hey, the shit sucked back then. Things are in this aspect better now, unequivocally. Um, yeah. And yes. all right, nah. Uh, I want a Denzel action figure. <laughs> Where is the Denzel? Is it just like a, a virtuosity? What, what other what, what other Denzel movie would qualify what for an action it? figure? 
There should reaction should put out some training day action figures. That'd be great. We can all agree I'm picturing on that. an action figure for flight with uh, <laughs> booze pounding action. Uh, that'd be great. I'd buy. Oh, I went for my pilot uncle. Um, okay, moving on to television in 1994. It's a big one for me. The George Carlin Show premieres, and although it only went two seasons, somewhere before here. And before it ends, I discovered George Carlin. I definitely didn't in the, I didn't know who he was really in the beginning. The show is not bad in the way they were not as bad as you'd think, not the, as bad as the way George talks about it. But it is a uh, if you remember, Fox was that network like they were marketing this as the only network who would give the dirtiest comedian, which he's not, a show on on, on weekly network television and it was put it pushed the envelope a little bit i cannot find it and if anybody can he george carlin is a cab driver and he's sitting with in this wonderful bar with alex rocco that should get diana in instantly uh, yeah and, well, and jr if he likes the creator of itch and scratchy son yeah. i love that guy's voice he's sitting I, in a bar I, and he's talking about things you're not allowed to say on television but it's not his seven dirty words thing it's just like in and Dick then cocked his hammer and delivered uh, <laughs> Johnson a hard blow. And he it, it's like it's like five minutes. And I was I remember my mouth was on the floor of all the dirty shit George Carlin snuck in on this show. But uh, it was co-created by Simpsons co-creator Sam Simon. And George Carlin never I've read his books. I, he really did not shy away from talking shit about the guy. No, no, I I, I have far more fun reading George Carlin quotes about the George yeah. Carlin show yeah. than I ever was watching the show, because this is what he said. Lesson learned. Always check mental health of creator partner beforehand. Love the actors. Love the crew. Had a great time. Couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there. The biggest problem, though, was that Sam Simon was a fucking horrible person to be around. Woo. Very, very funny. Extremely bright and brilliant, but an unhappy person who treated other people poorly. And, and Sam Simon's <laughs> now a guy... I have a better perception of because he did a lot of amazing stuff towards the end of his life and was really fun to listen to. But his response to this, like, did George say that? I like George. I thought we were friends. <laughs> he, he didn't have, there was, so there wasn't, there wasn't a Cat Williams amount of tea to spill here. <laughs> but it's just very unusual yeah. for the person whose name is in the title of the show mm -hmm. to not be the most important person on the show. But that was absolutely the case with this because the network thought, hey, this is the producer of The Simpsons. Yeah. He is going to give us something. It's why he was throwing George The Simpsons. He's a 26 year old who kind of revolutionized Taxi. So he was thrown at a lot of projects because he was seen as a wonderkind uh, and kind of was. <laughs> but yeah, here's here's George Carlin on that. You can't do what Roseanne did. She had a top 10 show when she fired everybody. I could have raised hell if I had a top 10. I didn't have that. I didn't have that power. Warner's was protecting Sam because Sam was the property they could count on. Sam will do another show. Sam will find another Simpson. Sam's in our name. Carlin, well, we try, and I mean, yeah, you know. And so I never had the power, really. Never had the power, and didn't give a fuck. When they didn't give a fuck, really. When they called me from Fox in my trailer and told me it had been canceled, I said, thank you, because it was mid-season. I said, thank you for not waiting for the season to end. I said, I really appreciate it. I was so finished with that. I, it was so, it was so off 
the center. Now I come springing back from there like I'm on a rubber band. I'm back in my own creative world, 95, 96 now, and we're heading for book time. Book time starts to happen in 1990. That's an excellent point. My favorite of his stand-ups, and I've listened to every single George Carlin special and album, is of the post-George Carlin show era. And part of the reason he can pray for his network sitcom to be canceled because he is one of the handful of people who can make multiple millions of dollars just being a stand-up. With with no podcast, I understand what you're saying out there, youth. He has no podcast, George Carlin. (laughs) He can't can't Bert Treischer this shit shit into a lucrative career. I'm looking at the rest of Sam Simon's career. He he never co-created or created anything except Sam's Game, which is a celebrity poker show on Playboy TV. I think uh, he was diagnosed with some pretty severe cancer and sort of backed off anything he wasn't really into. And instead gave a shitload of money to Greenpeace and vegan uh, food banks. Yeah, I mean, he was a creative consultant. He directed episodes. He was executive producer, but he never created another show. No, I think he's he's one of the had nothing to do with The Simpsons after season three. Never set foot on the on the lot, kind of shit. Yep. And uh, but you see his name to this day in a currently running show. Yep. And so his his heirs, if he has any, are going to be taken care of until the end of time. Uh, the Simpsons made a joke about that because one of them is his ex wife Jennifer Tilly. And they make a joke about her owning part of The Simpsons, which I believe she does, <laughs> uh, despite being a voice on Family Guy. It's fascinating. <laughs> and uh, also on TV this week, I can't believe this is happening so soon. I hinted at it a few weeks ago in a different decade. Uh, the Peanut special, You're in the Super Bowl, Charlie Brown, is broadcast on NBC. It was the last special um, that debuted on television in Charles Schultz's lifetime. I think that's odd for people, even with a casual awareness of a Charlie Brown Christmas to think of, but I think CBS had soured on specials. I I still have a place in my heart for the Christmas special. I rewatched it. Might be it like my number one favorite. Ago. I love it. Yeah, it's really really holds up. I think I, I re I watched this one. You and I don't necessarily think that it, the non-Christmas specials hold up listeners. I'm, I think a other, lot of them are just... Other than Great Pumpkin and Thanksgiving and, of course, things. Flash Beagle. We all love Flash Beagle, the Disco Snoopy <laughs> uh, episode. But you're yeah. right. The specials were, got consistently like less important and weirder. Well, the Christmas special has a ton of heart. Yeah. The Halloween special has a ton of heart. This does not have a ton of heart. It doesn't. No, there's, this is only no, this like, only exists because NBC. It's the only peanut special broadcast on NBC because it's supposed to tie into the superb owl. It's. I can't imagine a Charlie Brown special not opening with the CBS special presentation. Yeah, bongos. Does, it's not fair. It doesn't make <laughs> no, sense. No. No. It it also is the one that is complete. There's a lot of them that are unavailable, but this is completely unavailable. I think it was only sold at certain gas stations on VHS because it contains a shitload of NFL logos. Um, (laughs) And uh, if you really want to watch it, it's available on the Internet Archive, but Mm -hmm. nowhere else. Nowhere else. And uh, yeah, there would be a special. I never get tired of being mad at Apple for locking down the peanuts which charles schultz hated calling them the charlie brown specials on apple tv plus a special is not a special unless everybody has access to it especially at one point in time during the year apple ruined that but if you're if you see those apple 
Plus adds they treat Snoopy and Charlie Brown a lot better than the network's probably going to. So there's still the the new Christmas special is really great, and it's probably too late for me to say Ooh, that. Oh, I have not watched the new Christmas. There's special. new Snoopy material that just the animation, the voices are the same. It's got enough whimsy, but it's animated quicker and more modernly, and there's more jokes in the animation than. You know, it was usually a pretty crude show that didn't do a lot of slapstick. There's a little more of that, but acceptable slapstick in the confines of the Charlie Brown. All right, we'll move on. I know people don't want to hear me talk about Charlie Brown. Christmas is over. I got at least 10 months before I'm allowed to mention him again. Uh, but 1994 <laughs> video games, they're still happening, people, and it doesn't get much bigger than Chex Notes Super Solitaire. Now you can grow two times the size and your hands can play solitaire. I don't know what super solitaire. <laughs> it's solitaire. Why? Why Nintendo in 1994? Do you know how many decks of playing cards you could get for the cost of one cartridge? What possible benefit? Uh, do see, you that's get Jr. You're not thinking it. about surfaces. You can't play solitaire on any surface you want. You can play. You can play solitaire on a dinosaur in super solitaire. You can play solitaire on the side of the U.S. space shuttle, the Challenger. No, I don't know, but that's the, what else can you add to solitaire and have it still be solitaire? The cards are customizable. Super solitaire. Holy shit. I never played the original Solitaire, so I don't know how much it's improved. <laughs> uh, Lethal Enforcers is out. One of my favorite bad games of all time. Yeah, it's got that lovely Nintendo censorship. Oh, uh, right. Because it, it was like Chuck live Town action. Assault became Downtown Assault. Drug dealer renamed Gunrunner, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, no blood is shown. When it was uh, one of those live guys. action laser disky games where you shot folks in, in that were way more realistic than stuff like Time Crisis and Virtua Cop. But you played with a light gun. I think the super scope is probably a little out of place in Lethal Enforcers. That is a bazooka. You're firing at single people. But whatever. <laughs> it's all we had. Skyblazer is also out. And that's a big what? Skyblazer. Uh, it's got a Super Mario World overworld with Mega Man style stages. Ooh, don't hate. Um, and Zool Ninja in the nth dimension. Nth. Nth. I don't know anything about that, but Mega Man X. It's. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. It's got some interesting worlds. You know, you've got your million desert worlds, you've got your million snow worlds. World. This had a candy world, Ooh. it had a tool world. It had a stereo world. It had a kid's bedroom world. So at least they went for some imaginative level design. I would love a game set in Tools music videos. That sounds great. <laughs> Why can't we all see? Okay, and then Mega Man X is out. Confused the shit out of me as a kid because there were six Mega Man games on NES and four on Game Boy. And I thought this was the 10th, even though they keep talking about how Mega Man is dead. <laughs> This is where Mega Man and I parted ways. I uh, will remember playing Mega Man 2 until the day I die, and I can tell you numerous trips about tricks about that. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just never made the leap with Mega Man into the 16-bit era. And pulling this up for the first time with it's no amazing. nostalgia, I wish I would have. It's amazing. this holds up. It is utterly playable today. Get, they, they, get a, they didn't call it Super Mega Man, but they should have. It is a different character. Yeah. It is a different vibe. Chargeable weapons, customizable. You can do a fucking Hadouken in this game if you if you know where to look. And it's it's amazing. Fantastic boss design. Fantastic music. A perfect upgrade. When uh, people were clamoring years ago, we want more Mega Man. I'm like, 
I think you mean Mega Man X. That is the game you want to <laughs> see iterated on because it is very, very good. One thing I do love, though, is when a game designed to be beaten by nine-year-olds stumps me yeah. uh, very <laughs> early on because okay. I pulled it up. No muscle memory, no nothing. I get to the first boss, and there's these cars that go by, and you shoot them, and the driver pops out, and uh, they f- drive off the screen. I was like, okay, that's how you do it. And then at the boss stage, he keeps throwing cars at me. You're supposed and to die, man. it's an infinite number of cars, and I'm playing this for like minute after minute, minute going, come on, what's happening? I'm not dying, but the cars keep coming. I had to destroy the cars, and I had to look that up mm-hmm. because I couldn't figure out how to get past stage one. So it's a great stage. That made great me music. feel smart. <laughs> great music. I love the I love the X series one through three, one through four especially, and then they go a little three D and don't care for that. But uh, Mega Man, Mega Man X, fucking great, great series. Uh, Hero by Mariah Carey is still number one as we get into the music of January twelfth to the eighteenth of nineteen ninety four. But you have some new releases finally, considerable ones. Antenna by ZZ Top. <laughs> I just laugh at ZZ. I have no love for ZZ Top outside of Back to the Future 3. Uh, <laughs> a Constipated Monkey by Curious, with a K. Dogman by King's X. Here it is by Freddie Jackson. Mirror Blue by Richard Thompson. And Whiskey for the Holy Ghost uh, by Mark Langham. Lengan? Yeah, sure. How about Lengan that? again from uh, Screaming Trees. And I would, if I was leaning towards these choices, I had the... I played the Philadelphia soundtrack so much. There's a there's a Spin Doctors Credence cover on that that is not bad. <laughs> okay. Who stops? Who will stop the rain? But ah, all Bre- right. Well, I figured we go with the two choices. They were both Academy Award nominees and won one. Uh, Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen or Philadelphia by Neil Young, which I think is kind of the superior song, but it's also even sadder yeah it's just that i just admire that bruce springsteen is writing a song about the movie and that's not really something he does but he thought it important to do and what i also thought was funny if you see the fantastic music video which is just him walking around philadelphia he for some reason like i'm not gonna lip sync and he doesn't it's just him singing the song in the music video which nobody did which makes it if you're a springsteen fan like my father worth checking in on as compared to listening to the album version I appreciate him crossing the Delaware River from his home turf of New Jersey. It was very scary for him. We are a battery-throwing people. Yeah, there's no way Bruce Springsteen no one, is beloved in Philly. No one gets in a fight over Pats versus Geno Stakes. Uh, yeah, no one throws batteries at Santa. It is a little disappointing for a movie called Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia is not going to take kindly to a musician who constantly sings about closing factories. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I... I, I, I Really enjoy that song. I was pretty shocked to hear it while listening. Just going to say this: I have nowhere else. I was listening to our oldie station became the Christmas station, and then after Christmas was over, they switched formats for four hours. Jr. The GoldenEye N64 pause menu, Andy Williams <laughs> GoldenEye 64 pause menu, <laughs> and then switched to like '90s oldies as opposed to '60s oldies. Uh, Amazing, but I—that's I, I, where I heard it. I heard it recently, and like we're about to talk about this, aren't we? Oh man! Heck yeah, we 30 are. Thirty years ago. No offense to Neil Young either, because that's a great song as well. I, I'm with you, Diana. Yeah. But I grew up in a Springsteen household. God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> so we'll close out with Bruce Springsteen's Oscar-winning "Streets of Philadelphia." Oscar-winning. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Bruce Springsteen has an Oscar. Closest, closer to an EGOT than me and Diana and Jr. put together. We'll close out with that. But don't move. Got a lot more to talk about ten years from now. 
reflection in a window and didn't know my own face, oh brother, gonna leave me wasting away on the streets of Philadelphia. you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste 84 is a hell of a year listeners yes and this is one of the films that makes 84 such a special year. I mean, I don't remember. I was very young and definitely not seeing this movie in the theater, but it's like I was there for the resonant success. Like, I thought this was a franchise that would be around forever, ever. Yeah. Everybody had a dog named Gizmo uh, for a really <laughs> yeah. long time. Uh, it's Joe Dante's 1984 Gremlins, of course, we're talking about. I, I just wanted to say this off the bat. If this is your favorite movie, you either have no taste or the best taste. Yes, yes. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Coming in 2004 with Breathe Me by Sia, off uh, off Call of the Small One. Sia, 20 years of Sia. I find it hard uh, to believe, too. I'm crying now because this is what they play at the end of Six Feet Under. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, <laughs> that's when I was introduced to Sia. That, that, 100%. That moment. Yep. Best ending song to match an ending of a television show I've ever seen. Yeah, we had a Fuck room yeah. full of people crying to this song. That is my memory of it. I did not even know what it was called. I always search Six Feet Under Sia song. Uh, now she has my favorite new modern Christmas song, Candy Cane Lane. Look it up next year. Uh, January 12th to the 18th of music. Welcome, people. Uh, other new releases 20 years ago include uh, Because I Can by Katie Rose, Legion of Boom by The Crystal Method, and The Glorious Burden by Iced Earth. Uh, Heya by Outcast is still number one. This is what I'm most excited to talk about, though, in 2004. The Domain goatc.cx is suspended by the internet administrators of Christmas Island. It is later put up for sale. You can't keep goatsy down or closed. And uh, oh, <laughs> oh. what? Uh. <laughs> this is one of those things like I really hope my son never learns about because how <laughs> do I explain? Yes, son. In the early days of the internet, <laughs> we used to really enjoy getting people tricked into looking at a man stretching his anus cavity as much more than you think possible more than you think Mm. it's like you know when your grandfather was around he used to like to print out autopsy photos and jump out of closets and scare people with them we had to send links to horrific images to scare people yeah do they understand rick rolling it's just rick rolling but gross like so gross but the idea that yeah they with the dot cx which means it's administered by the nation of Christmas Island, which is off of Australia, which is about like 4,000 people on it. 
you know, and that became a whole thing of like, well, each country has its own domain. So Tuvalu being .tv is ready to fuck up everyone's shit. Uh, and they haven't quite done it yet. There is a XKCD comic about this phenomenon. It's called This Generation is Going to Have Some Weird Nostalgia. And it's two people <laughs> in flying jetpacks. And it says, darling, let's put on our best fake accounts, connect to the core forum space, and trick people into looking at a picture of a man's distended anus. <laughs> oh, it'll be just like old times. <laughs> I, I, but... There is so, there's something the domain is doing today. Oh. We're making the goatsy.cx domain available to everyone. Soon, you'll be able to have your very own goatsy.cx subdomain to host whatever you want. You really can use your subdomain however you like. You can start a web page to host your favorite images, or host a blog with Tumblr or WordPress, or run an IRC server. What? This is, is this real? Is this from the this YouTube account Goatsy? <laughs> Goatsy, yeah. a real hosting service at Goatsy. I just look. I know I'm from a different era. I have nothing but positive <laughs> memories about the Goatsy <laughs> phenomenon, and I know not a lot. Not every one of my friends does. Something about us all universally together in a Charlie Brown Christmas special, pre 1999 kind of way, being grossed out at the same thing, and everyone knowing what it is. Fun, yeah. fun, fun. <laughs> it, it was, and there were so many questions like. He's wearing a wedding ring. Where is this? Who's taking the photo? I didn't someone do a deep dive and try and figure out who exactly this was and they're 99% sure they think they know, but the person is either dead or doesn't want to be have their name out there. So it's just it's crazy. The crazy phenomenon that I yep. I never thought I'd think about again to be honest <laughs> until until I occasionally see it like photoshopped into a parade float or hidden in an ASCII image. Also, well, I mean, you, to this day, you see things that's like, oh, this Christian meme of like God opening the clouds. But it's like, dude, that's goatsy. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you're opening with two hands, just mm -mm. don't do it. And AI art is now going to make that so much easier. Oh, thank God. Have to like type in God. and make it a hint of goatsy. Yeah, give me a Care Bears version. I want to see that. Yeah. A nice little rainbow stare coming out of it. Uh, the war also in the news this week, the world's largest ocean liner, the RMS Queen Mary Two, makes its maiden voyage after being christened by Queen Elizabeth. Okay, Who it's named yeah after. So oh well, I mean it's replacing the Queen Elizabeth II. Oh okay. So but it's a big boat, uh, yeah, I I ended up having to really look into what's the difference between an ocean liner and a cruise ship. Mm, business. There is a huge difference, and this is kind of the last big ocean liner like if you're thinking oh i have to get to europe from new york i need a titanic kind of ship this is your choice now this is pretty much what you're doing the big difference i mean design and speed ocean liners are built for speed yeah cruise ships are about being leisure water slides exactly but this <laughs> you can book uh i even looked up the prices you want to sail uh to Le Havre from New York on the Queen Mary 2. It's going to take you about a week and it's going to run about two grand, yeah. which isn't that bad. I, I guess. Do they provide food for that time? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bring yeah. your own food, <laughs> two weeks worth of food. No, I, 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 I remember I was reading somewhere that how that has been like drastically reduced to mostly cargo. That's how people travel. Or exactly. if you're like super sick, you can be quarantined while still on an ocean liner. And right. 
Um, but yeah, if you if you want to recreate, yes, what is the experience of crossing the pond back in the day? Or you want to you nope. want to Titanic it up? Have go down to third class and have an Irish party? Whatever. Yep, <laughs> there's you your just chance. Queen flying. Marie, you know, or if, you can fly, and you could do that in about five hours. Yeah, but <laughs> if I'm retired and I'm a free time millionaire, and I don't want to be cramped into a flying uh, bus, you know, <laughs> it's ugh. And well. The only other bit of news I saw that I wanted to bring up to you guys, this is the year KB Toys files for bankruptcy and a majority, this is the week they file and throughout the year, most of their stores will close. I didn't, I didn't know what everybody else's nostalgia was for that as kids because Toys R Us was obviously the end all be all, but our mall had, both of our malls had toy stores and they eventually became KBs. So I don't have much nostalgia for them. I was going to say I 100% associated it with mall shopping yeah. because mm-hmm. uh, parents were divorced. Uh, I'd drive up to stay with my dad for the weekend, and they'd always drop me off at a mall. Alone? That was the meeting point. So sometimes, you know, I'd walk around, and what do I do after I've walked this mall 15 times? Well, I guess I'll go into the toy store and see what toys I can and play I'll with. And drool at I'm the waiting. NES games behind glass. Oh, yeah. Mm. I, I remember, I just remember here, like, they came to prominence. They tried to buy out the Nickelodeon toy run. I'm like, yeah, KB Toy Store's Nickelodeon toy run. And then I saw it and like, that's three aisles. This is not even fun to watch, let alone win. Who wants to do the toy run at a KB toy store? Toys are us forever. Bikes. Give me the bikes and the power wheels. Uh, but we're about to lose them as we did with all toy stores. I can't believe we kind of like sat down and let that happen. But here we are. I'm I'm the reason. You can blame me. Why? When- Toys R Us closed. I was like, oh, that's so sad. And I was like, oh, I'm a father of two young kids, and I haven't been in a Toys R Us store for about five or seven years. I buy all my stuff at Amazon or my impulse buys at Walmart. Yeah, Target. Well, Toys R Us, I remember, had like become, they started locking down exclusives for kids and adults' toys. And that's not the best way to stay afloat as a toy store. You can only get this transformer here, I guess. Anyway, uh, maybe a question to pose to the community and your friends. Just, uh, I, I, K- toys R Us was always my favorite place to go. KB was a, just a massively distant second. And I guess we didn't really have any other national chains of toy stores now that I think about it. That was it. Circus World is what ours used to be called. And I looked it up. <laughs> It was just a, a generic sign that in like in a nothing font and not a chain. Circus World wasn't a thing. Uh, okay, we can move into the movies of 2004 because right. there are bunches. Uh, yeah, we got some real good ones and we got some real bad ones. Yeah, the, <laughs> that's how January be. Yeah, the good ones are kind of top loaded. Jillian uh, mm-hmm. Murphy, congrats. Um, <laughs> Judy Parfit, Tom Wilkinson, RIP, Colin Firth, he's fine, but didn't win anything. And Scarlett Johansson, girl with a pearl earring. Ah. And this I'm gonna... is a, yeah. I mean, this is a movie that looks on its face like it's going to be so fucking boring. Hey, you want to know the story behind this painting of a lady from 1660 <laughs> the Netherlands? And it turns out, uh, no, it's actually really interesting and fun, and everyone's really good in it. Um, um, yeah, but it's basically the story that, uh, yeah, Scarlett Johansson uh, gets a job like as a maid because she's out of money. I think her family, people in her family are dead, and, and she's working for uh, Vermeer. Oh. And you get to learn, how did they make paintings way back then? Like, they make their own paints and shit. 
<laughs> like little details like that. It was just really interesting. And, you know, and they kind of have a very flirty relationship, but, you know, he's married and then he's going to, you know, there's this other rich guy who's like, she should come work for me. Uh, I'm going to blackmail you into making her work for me. But also I tend to knock up my maids. And so this is going to be a great situation for her. And uh, yeah, drama, unrequited you love. You said painting. it the same way. Like I tend to drop my phone. I tend to <laughs> impregnate my maids. Um. Yeah, you know. As was the style As of the time. The As was the style of the time. Yeah. I, no, I think this movie, first of all, this movie looks gorgeous obviously mm. did the smart thing and lots of natural light it, every frame is a painting from the time like it's nailed it and yeah it's just interesting and all the performances are really good like girl with the pearl earring i it's it's another grown-up movie for grown-ups uh what about that? similarly another grown-up movie for grown-ups just because i remember yeah. another movie npr losing its shit over uh and and i saw it, it Behind the scenes, we had a massive storm, over 48 hours of preparation mixed in with some lack of power and internet. The first movie I tackled of this was the next one because my girlfriend const constantly references it because she thinks this is her. We have challenged this. No, you are not walking bad luck. I'm going to walk in with you and buy a lottery ticket. So far, she is correct. Um, I don't blame her, though. I'm aware how odds worked, but Bill Macy... Had, I don't think this is his forte anymore. All he did was p play pathetic assholes. Now you get to star in a movie as a pathetic ass. So I was there day one <laughs> after hearing him complain why his wife is in the driveway of Boogie Nights with an ass in her cock. Uh, <laughs> but also Alec Baldwin, Maria Bello, William Macy in The Cooler about a man whose job it is is to walk around and shed bad luck upon everyone and everything he touches. And it works. <laughs> And it yep. works until he gets laid. Yep. Until he gets laid or finds a modicum of happiness. And all of a sudden he starts giving people bad luck or good luck. And uh, the movie is fine. It's uh, rewatching it today. It is fine. It is also seemingly written by someone who has never been to a casino, but seen them in movies. But Alec Baldwin is screaming his ass off. Ron Livingston is very punchable. And you get to see William H. Macy's balls in a very cute little scene. Uh, so how about that? Oh, well, yeah. This is uh, Alec Baldwin's first Oscar nomination coming off of yeah. this. Everyone's like, oh, that. right. This is him doing the turn into being a car uh, character actor. He's in another movie we're going to talk about in a minute where he's also just a very broad yeah. character. Um, and he's great. As you know, he... You see, I feel like his character is the one who's watched too many movies about casinos. Yeah, he wants to do okay. very, very old school. He wants to be Mo Green. And you don't talk mm -hmm. to Mo Green like that. It, it is set in 2004, and he has to explain in front of new executives why your theory for helping people lose is a guy who's multiple people walking around who are bad luck. They, yeah. don't, they don't actually do anything. They just walk near you. I mean, it'd be another thing if they were, like, throwing out, like, cards or, like, like uh, shining lights with mirrors in people's eyes, but right. it's nothing Over like that. Overbetting the pot to scare <laughs> yes. you off. No, he's something. not doing any yeah. of that. No, no. Uh, and then also yeah. one of the... Uh, but yeah, also, uh, well, I do want to say the cooler came up a whole bunch in this film is not yet rated about the rating system because they wanted to hit it with an NC-17 because it implies someone goes down on a woman. Yep. Women can... This keeps happening to Maria yeah, Bello, yeah. goddammit. <laughs> can't do that no i yeah i really really enjoy the cooler it's you know a, a small drama in a very specific yep. place 
and everyone's great in it. A yeah. total recommend. It's on on Peacock for uh, your streaming delight. Uh, not JR on. Sh- loves movies about people's jobs. That's a very I specific never job. Knew being unlucky was a job until this film. I mean, yeah, yep. try being a crowdfunded podcaster. It's it's different. And uh, the next one is not streaming anywhere for free, sadly. Uh, but I don't know. I, I I was cramming. I had a hard time watching it, and I love this movie. I wrote a paper on this director for my Spanish class. Benicio Del Toro, Naomi Watts, Sean Penn, Inuartu's 21 Grams. 21 Grams. Is this his first English language yes. film? Right. Because, yeah, we talked about Amoris Peros, and that was sort mm-hmm. of Inuartu's big breakout and- internationally. And this one, I mean, it's, it's a pretty heavy melodrama about... Uh, a recovering addict, a hit and run that kills the whole family, and then a heart transplant from that, and then all the uh, the, the fallout of all these people dealing with that. But it's also told nonlinearly, right? So I've seen this movie. I feel like I feel like this is a step too far. Like yes. it was already pretty heavy. I've I seen don't this. Know if he needed to do that. I've seen this movie twice, and I remembered the beats. And I put it on now and like, oh, I forgot. Oh, they're showing the end and the middle and the beginning and then a little more of the end and intercutting. Because the homeboy loves intercutting. <laughs> this is his intercutting period. Babel will go even further, yeah. but at least it's chronological. Whereas this is like, this is not satisfying to watch again and a pretty pretentious thing to do that I did not support upon my third viewing of the film but i was usually like if you're watching something non-chronological you watch it the second time Mm -hmm. and like because you know where the story beats are you're gonna get it better no instead i was like waiting for the scenes that i thought were memorable and like oh they don't happen in any fucking order oh um so it's hard for harder for me to recommend this go round i think i give it a light recommend Mm -hmm. just because i think it is really well made and it's very interesting and feels very lived in and realistic and obviously the performances everyone's just killing it but yeah i i mm. a little too far made me want to watch babble but i only have it on hd dvd and i'd have to whip out my old 360 and it's <laughs> companion player <laughs> oh what was i thinking uh yeah. also out this week um Disney doing uh, it's Disney thing. Wallace Shawn, look at this cast though. Wallace Shawn, Rob Paulson, Megan Mullally, Paul Rubens, Jerry Stiller, uh, David Ogden, Stiers, uh, Deborah Jo Rupp, Sean Fleming, Kelsey Grammer, and Nathan Lane in Teacher's Pet, the movie. The the hmm. the, the conclusion of the TV show. It seems. I think I, so. Maybe. I'm not sure. The basic premise is a dog can talk and read, what? so he poses as a human and sneaks into school. And educational adventure wackiness <laughs> it happens. I think it was more Saturday morning, but it was like Dis- Disney's animated output was just sort of staggering at this point. You can't make a movie out of your Saturday morning cartoons in addition to six other animated movies every year. Can this market sustain this much? And it turns out it could. I think this did yeah, okay. I, I think it could. I don't think it was especially successful. The reviews are actually pretty strong, yeah, the reviews though. Reviews are good. I was I was surprised where they thought this is going to be formulaic trash and actually like it has heart and thought put and and character put into it. Like, oh, okay. And come on, Nathan Lane is an undercover dog. Please, please, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take all. Yeah, of I didn't. I had never knew what this was about. And <laughs> all right, now you have my attention. I'll take all of that. Uh, yeah, and Kelsey Grammer is an evil scientist who he the dog thinks can turn him into a real little boy, but really can just turn him into a man-dog hybrid and then wants to put him in a freak show. Hell yeah. 
Yeah. Hell yeah. Feels good. Oh, okay. Uh, and then the movie I absolutely had the least time for this week, uh, but did pretty well. Fast and the Furious is popular. Did we mention that? Jamie Presley, uh, Matt Schultz, Adam Scott, Adam Scott, uh, Monet Mazar, Ice Cube, and Martin Henderson in Dork, 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 Dork. You forget who run things around here. You ain't gonna like how this ends. On January 16th. Whoa. The only way to survive. I'm going to hit by midnight. This just keeps getting better and better. Is to break every rule. Does it have to be this much fun? Damn right. From the producer of The Fast and the Furious and SWAT. That's right. Torque. You messed with the wrong chick. Looks like you did. Rated PG-13. Yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Ooh, burn. <laughs> oh my God, this is so dumb. Yes. Yes. This um, is so dumb. And this this was the ad that mentioned Fast and Furious the least. Because <laughs> a bunch of the ads were like from the producers of Fast and Furious. And too fast, too furious. Yeah. And, and like, shut up. We see what you do. All right, it's Fast and Furious with bikes now. I mean, they say the line in the movie, I live my life a quarter mile at the time. It desperately wants to be confused. Instead of instead of muscle cars, it's motorcycles. Instead of DVD players, it's meth. Those aren't very equivalent. <laughs> But <laughs> running meth on motorbikes, uh, yeah. I would love to sit down and enjoy it had I already not lived it. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on no, to the number this, one. This movie doesn't need to exist and shouldn't. This movie? Uh, oh, Torque. Well, this movie's not very good either. But Torque, no. I. This is like that, what do you call it? Like luck of January? Like there's not a lot out. And this is like number one for a while and makes a shitload of money. Hank Azaria, great cast though. Hank Azaria, Deborah Messing, Phil Cy Hoffman, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Ben Stiller. It's number one of the box office. It's a long came pale. Please somebody make a parody with Tony Cicero. <laughs> they couldn't be more opposite. I assess risk for a living, so I try to avoid danger. I do it a little differently. More mismatch. Doesn't matter. Do you not like Indian food? Because you're sweating pretty profusely. Or more perfect. Throw pillows. Go in this cabinet here for each other. What are you doing? I'm liberating you. <laughs> I think I might end up marrying this woman. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's not going to work out. <laughs> I'm pulling for your root. Along came Polly. Rated PG-13. Along came po- I confuse this with like 10 other movies with Jennifer Aniston and Ben Stiller in them. But I did yeah. see it, and I remember nothing, but but guys on a roll. This is directed by John Hamburg, who I didn't know. That guy writes like everything Ben Stiller is in for the next decade. Mm-hmm. If he's not, and he directs, this is his first time directing for him because he'd written Zoolander, Meet the Parents, uh, Meet the Fockers, etc. <laughs> Yeah, this was, I mean, better than I expected. I'll I'll definitely say that better than I expected for, you know, what's supposed to be a comedy about, you know, an uptight guy and a manic pixie dream girl. I thought everyone had more dimension than I was expecting as characters. It it is weird, though, to have Phil Soy Hoffman in here as what was clearly on the page called Jack Black type. (laughs) To have someone this overpowered show up and just steal everything he's in. Same with Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria is really funny in this and is naked. Uh, Again, sweet. The the dumb thing is I looked up for next segment of 30 2010, what are the top grossing Kevin Hart movies? And this movie actually beat the one that's number one at the box office 10 years later because of Kevin Hart's tiny whittle part. And you could call this the mainstreaming of Kevin Hart, but it's just the whitification of him in a 
immensely successful white film because he's already been in the scary movies and uh, Soul Plane, but uh, he has a tiny part in this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I feel like people have more nostalgic love for this than it like deserves. Do they? Like, is it, like I I did. You know, I had some chuckles here and there, but overall, like, there was there was nothing to elevate this out of Ben the rest of Ben Stiller's filmography. Like, no, this is just right there in the middle of the pack of just like. That's fine. It's a movie making machine. And we love to see Ben Stiller get a girl that is 11,000 times too hot and charismatic for him. <laughs> and uh, and then I love moving on a TV. This may like be emblematic of why this show should probably end at some point. We <laughs> are thoroughly unqualified to talk about the show, which I see pop up in memes and it's just like... I trust my brain I'm getting a part of this because I don't know what you're talking about. Drake and Josh <laughs> debuts on either Nickelodeon or Disney Channel. I am in my 20s and it's illegal for me to watch this. I'm not going back to watch this for you, nor would you ask me to. <laughs> it's a Nickelodeon show. It's two stepbrothers. They're navigating wacky situations in their blended family. Are they in a hotel? Is that a different show? That's a different... <laughs> the Sweet Life of Second That's Cody? the one. Yeah, and Sweet not... Life, because it's got a pun. That's a sweet And they're not life. wizards either, you promise? Okay. I t- no, take your word maybe, for they it. Ju- maybe it's the same show. Maybe they're wizards. Drake and Josh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I think they do a podcast together. Or they're feuding. I don't know. I don't know why I even have an inkling of any of that. But this has entered into 20-year-old nostalgia, so it's now entering my brain through different people's feeds. Drake and Josh. Okay, <laughs> sure. No, there are so many of these from the 2000s that I know mm. were massive hits. And it's like, I'm just, I'm aged out of this. I don't have nieces and nephews. I'm not babysitting anybody. So I have no clue what's happening. Yeah. See, I got a window. I got a window where I've got no clue. And as we get into like the 2014s, kids. I'll start to have a clue if my kids liked it. Yeah. But, right. you know, th- there's definitely like a 15 year window when whatever age you like jake and josh i was not that age in 2004 no. at all no. i know and there's there's a bunch of 30 year olds listening right now who are screaming at us and i'm sorry uh, yeah i'm sorry you <laughs> didn't get to watch pete and pete in your childhood something that holds up a lot better <laughs> moving on yeah there i somehow old man this fucking segment uh pixel perfect the tv movie that I've never heard this, of. <laughs> uh, it's a Disney film way ahead of its time. Much like the film we talked about last uh, week, Her. This explores the question <laughs> of consciousness because there is a holographic pop star and uh, that's it. Yeah. it, it, it <laughs> it's weird <laughs> science for the internet age. Yes, except very Disney, um, not not skeezy like. Oh, weird no forced science. nudity or uh, yeah, black accents from Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, this, yeah, you're saying this holds up better than Weird Science. See, now we're infuriating the olds. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, and then I, what the fuck is Whoopi's Little Berg, which also premieres? Play the clip. All right. Say hello. Things you like to do. There's a lot of things to see and do and play. Little 
Whoopi's Little Berg, a puppet show. Where? Nick Jr. Just yeah. wanted to check because I watched a lot of Garfield specials as a result of only using my peacock to watch a Garfield Christmas. Is that Lou Rawls again? He did a lot of no, Garfield Dr. Music. John. Dr. John, all right. I recognize Dr. John, yeah. Okay. Well, Whoopi's Little Berg. Man, you thought we were unqualified to talk about Drake and Josh. We were not preschoolers 20 years ago. Uh-uh. Uh, also this week, is this the TV movie? The Goodbye Girl. Yeah, uh, TV movie version with Jeff Daniels, Patricia Heaton, and Haley Kate Eisenberg. I'm sure it's fine because that's a fun play. So. And then it's time to talk about a true force, a cultural phenomenon from this period. Let's see how we feel about it. 20 years after the fact, William Hung auditions for American Idol. Tell me your name. You blow me off like it's all the same. You lit it fierce and I'm taking away like a bomb. Yeah, baby. She bangs. She bangs. She does bang. Oh, baby. When she moves, she moves. I go crazy. Is everybody forced to sing with no backing music during the audition yes. period? Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. They they sing a cappella. So William Hung is from Hong Kong. He moved to the States when he was 11. He was a student at Cal Berkeley. He had performed on a karaoke night and everyone went insane. And American Idol was doing auditions in San Francisco. And they convinced him to go wait in that ridiculous line. Because oh. this is the second or third season. Sec- third season. And uh, he comes on and the man looks like a walking caricature from World War II, (laughs) Um, which is the part that's always made me uncomfortable. It's like, my brother in Christ, you look like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's. (laughs) But that's just him. And I worry that that's part of what people were laughing about, but. Yeah, he comes no, on, he it's the voice. It, it's he's, totally the voice. It, it's he's so he's so awful, and then they all the judges stare at him like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" And he's like, "I thought I did a pretty good job, and I'm proud of myself." And I was like, "Well, now I've won. He's won everyone over now. That's good." His attitude was super positive. Yeah, I, I just uh, <laughs> there. There's like almost an entire Bobcat Goldthwait movie based on shooting up the judges of this type of show who would laugh at an earnest immigrant or someone that movie the person has a developmental disability which i don't know if william hung has or not but no no okay i don't know i I don't know but because i like wasn't watching an american idol and didn't follow this but i did follow the phenomenon that he is arguably the most famous person to come out of this season or at least managed to like (laughs) roll and I, I don't like the I don't like any of that the mockery the even if it results in money but that mock trial with Judge Reinhold with a William Hung jury is one of the funniest Arrested Development jokes that's not at his expense of anything but his name and he appears in one of my favorite shows one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> Well, I mean, I would say that he is the most famous person to come out of this season, except the season also gave us EGOT winner Jennifer Hudson and wow. Fantasia Barino, current star of Color Purple. That's okay. just coming out. Wow. I will shut my yeah. mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Jennifer uh, Hudson came in like seventh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet William Hung was more popular sooner. Well, I mean, it, but- this ran in promos. It was only in like the first couple episodes, right? Because by then they get down to like solidified contestants. But this still ran all year on clip shows. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They I, they brought him back towards the finale or something. They had like us, but where they brought him back. And what's so funny is that he went to Hong Kong and he made a movie. He cut several albums, including a Christmas album, Hung for the Holidays. 
each time his singing actually starts to improve as like the joke is kind of ruined <laughs> it's like well now you just sing bad but not horrible yeah we I, miss the horrible i thought i but, knew uh, of a guy yeah. who made quite a bit of money with them on like online t-shirt sales based on this it was not an insignificant <laughs> sum i am seeing he retired yeah. from music in 2011 so it only <laughs> took seven years uh mm-hmm. william hung American, this is the last American Idol memory that really penetrates my brain that mm. I can think of because uh, I definitely don't care. And just moving on to the games of 2004, you're right, JR. I even I thought you were going to go Fallout Tactics. I thought you were going to... Holy shit, did I forget about Fallout Brotherhood of Steel for PS2 and Everyone Xbox. did. <laughs> Everyone has forgotten this game exists, even huge Fallout fans. Like, you can find a Fallout retrospective on tin cans and how they impact the Fallout <laughs> universe. There is so little written about this forgotten, forgotten game. Yeah, because it, it doesn't look like it has anybody involved other than the publisher, which was Interplay at the time, I think was putting out Fallout games. They're the only people involved with any any uh, uh, belonging to the Fallout DNA. Even that's pretty tangential. Why do we have a board game on here, Jer? I'm assuming that's you. Well, that's me. This is a very, very popular board game. It's had like seven expansions. It's called Power Grid. It's won a whole bunch of board game awards. It's very popular. I went to Gen Con this year. People are still playing it. Um, very fun game. Basically, you start out building one power plant, and that allows you to build another and you bid against your fellow players and you can go green or you can go nuclear or you can go coal. And depending on how many people go nuclear or go green or go coal, that affects the price of everything. It's a very dynamic game and very fun to play. Big recommend. Ooh, hmm. uh, power grid. So not the musician in a goofy movie. Uh, <laughs> well, with that, we will close out 2004 with a little more my, my guy, William Hung. Uh, of the hung trial, hung, hung trial <laughs> band uh, with She Bangs, a great song, no matter who sings it. Don't go anywhere. We got one more second of Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything to worth a watching. And for the week of January 12th through 18th, we have two things that have nothing to do with each other. Okay, mytho- mythology. They have something to do with each other. Mythology. Let's start with 50 years ago this week is the release of the original Dungeons & Dragons by Gary Gygax and Dave Artisan, the role-playing game. Which is satanic, only it conjures demons. I heard so from my pastor. Yeah, no, just it's it's not just the dragons. It's it's taking Tolkien and uh, and bringing it home onto graph paper. That's lovely. And, and also that yeah, that newer movie uh, is pretty good. Yeah, let's talk about a good thing that happened in cinema. Ninety five years ago from 1929 saw the release of the German film's Pandora's Box directed by G.W. Pabst starring Louise Brooks who is like 
typical, like when I think of what a flapper looks like, it's Louise Brooks. She's got that really short, severe bob haircut. You know, it's jet black, and she's got this like withering stare. And is this very controversial at the time movie because it's about a fallen woman who doesn't care. She's, you know, a mistress of this guy, and then this other guy wants her, and then there's a fight, and she's with this other person, and there's a woman who's attracted to her, too. (gasps) Banned just about all over the place. I think it was cut severely to come to America because it was very controversial. Um, But it is, I mean, maybe the height of Weimar Weimar Germany cinema. I mean, up there with... um, metropolis honestly it's uh it's got some nice german expressionism in there you need a a grounding in like what late silent films could really do pandora's box pretty awesome um no less than quentin tarantino says it's one of the 10 best films ever made and he knows he's seen like all of them so should you watch pandora's box hell yeah it's on max right now it's for free on canopy Criterion Collections got it. I, I try to pick only the silence I think will actually connect with people, not ones that are just important, but like are watchable today. Pandora's box, absolutely watchable today. That's it for this week. Stay classic. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. These bigger the boys are digging it down. I have them like Miley Cyrus clothes off, working in their bras and thongs. Face down, booty up. Coming in 2014 with Timber by Pitbull featuring Kesha with a dollar sign. Cha-ching. Uh, it's number one this week. Welcome to 10 years ago. Ooh, the return. Not quite coast to coast of a, but a nice little book, uh, nice little bookmarking, bookmarking, book ending with Bruce Springsteen. High hopes by Bruce Springsteen as well. As is the Crystal Method from 10 years ago. Wow. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> Fading West by Switchfoot and Shelter by Alkest and the self-titled album by Warpaint. Uh, I will let all the wrestling fans tell me how good those albums are. Anyway, 2014. Welcome, everyone. Let's 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 blow past the news because I don't see any. What's happening the second week of 2014? It usually sucks uh, the second week of January. It really does suck this month, didn't it? Come on. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Huge storm. Oh, uh, it's freezing now. 2014 movies, though. A little bit of a different story. Just not much of one. Uh, Brian Cranston, Logan Michelle, Marshall Green, and Alice Eve in Cold Comes the Night, a movie I have not heard of, and every once in a while I wonder what happened to Alice Eve. She was in so much of that Star Trek movie and very pretty, and I did not mm-hmm. see her much anymore. Yeah, she's around. She's she's a Brit. Oh, She's off doing British stuff. British she's one of them secret Brits. God oh. damn it. She's off companioning a Doctor Who here and there. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> something so, like that. uh... Yeah, this is like one of those movies that doesn't seem like it exists, but the reviews were mostly okay-ish. The ones that actually got around to it, where it's like uh, Brian Cranston is blind and he's got a guy who's driving him across the country and they go to Alice Eve's uh, diner, restaurant, or motel, whatever. And then uh, then there's a murder, murder. And then it turns out like, oh, they're actually part of some sort of drug scheme and then bad guys show up and so there's a lot of shenanigans in this motel with crime and stuff okay okay but fine i don't know how i've never noticed this on my imdb before this movie is ranked 350 3512 out of 14,000. like what I think we've talked about more than 14,000 movies more on the show. There's 14,000 movies right. on and IMDb. Nor 100%. would Cold Comes the Night be in the top <laughs> in the top 30% of 
what is it? I'm clicking on this meter. Um, most popular movies on IMDb. Again, impossible. Number one is Saltburn. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know. I'm just distracting. I'm distracting via my lack of research. Again, Storm, leave me alone. All right. Well, then we can blow past the next one, too. Devils Do with Allison Miller and Zach Guilford, which is by the VHS guys. Mm. And found is- footage horror film. And when people complain about found footage horror, it's crap like this. Yeah, mm. it's found footage Rosemary's Baby. Oh, really? Yep. She she's pregnant. Weird shit's happening. There's a cult following him around. Weird shit's happening some more. So we better like film it on our phones the whole time, though. Paranormal activity, baby monitor shit, or cell phones, ring cams. Ring cams aren't out yet. Okay, okay. Ooh. But yeah, most critics are pretty mean to it, and uh, some horror fans liked it though. If you Which, haven't been I listening mean, to the show for a while, should... tis the season for a shitty horror movie first yeah, two weeks of there January. There should be way more pregnancy horror movies, mm-hmm. though, because pregnancy is horrifying. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, just the alien films alone, That's we need more. You wonder, more, damn it. You wonder why we just mentioned earlier how the dynamics of sex are the same between men and women. Pregnancy, remember that part? Oh, it's painful. <laughs> it's a curse. It's all of those things. Yeah. It's an STD. It's everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Children are the worst STD. They really are. Imagine if your herpes oh, came to life and constantly on. wanted to watch Paw Patrol. I'm just saying, if you did, if all you wanted was sex and ended up with a, <laughs> a sentient STD, children. And yeah, well, look, the, there is no cure for them. They stay around forever. <laughs> well, there used to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, this is getting really dark. Chris. Really is. I'm sorry. This is what happens when I don't do enough research. Uh, all right, wait, let's talk about like the one good movie. I think. So you think this, this is a good movie? I, I think actually, it's a good movie too. I don't I like any of the series, so I'm, I'm enjoyed this oh. one. Going for you guys. I mean, I don't love okay. any of the series, but what I do think is funny. You hinted that this is one of the most forgotten ones, and then I just had to think like, only one guy did this twice. Everybody else is George Lazenby. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> as is the case with Kira Knight. Look at this cast: Kira Knightley, Kenneth Branagh, Kevin Costner, and Chris Pine as the new Jack Ryan. Colon shadow recruits. Lieutenant Ryan. I want you to join my unit. Which unit is that? The one to make sure we don't get hit again. Somebody's trying to kill me. What the hell is going on here? You gotta pick somebody to trust. Jack? What are you doing here? You think everyone is who they say they are? There's gonna be a coordinated attack. They will wipe us out. If you find the truth, will you believe it? Let's go, let's go! Oh my god. Jack Ryan. See, I think Jack Ryan got it dirty from the movies. I think you're absolutely right. He needed more consistent actors. He needed people to come along with his adventures and grow with the actor as the actor grow with the part. But these bungee actors who come in, do them once and then leave, (laughs) they just they can't leave as big of an impression as the Bond actors who are averaging what six or seven movies well you, you literally get a generation of a bond actor like one movie 10 years we've been 10 years i i am aware of the amazon jack ryan series so pretty good yeah from pretty good hear, tv pretty good. show I, it's a it's a light recommend the amazon tv show it's just ending right after four seasons i think 
I am not. I'm pretty on sure on the fourth season. I don't know. Pretty sure. I have a I have a da- very dadly friend who likes the series and told me such. So we have, yeah, Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, 90, 92, 94. Every two years, boom, 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 we're doing these. And then, and those are all hits. And they're all a lot of fun. I think they're really good. And then I'm not sure what happens. They're just, Harrison Ford walks away and they just, they, they try and they fail and they try and they fail. All the way to 2002, we get some of all fears. We're trying this again, which is also a pretty good movie, but it's not enough. And then we go all the way, another 12 fucking years. Jesus. <laughs> To Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, we're trying it again. We're doing Is This Jack Ryan Begins? It's an origin story. Boo. Um, it, which I think is kind of a smart move. They're basically casino royaling us of like, mm-hmm. let's go to the, the very beginnings, the basics. It's okay. You know, it, it feels like a small movie. It's just like a small spy movie. There, it does have a bunch of action in it, but it's smaller. It's in. It feels a little more spy-y. It feels more like a regular regular guy who gets in a bit over his head you know chris pine is he's good at it uh, it's weird that yeah kenneth brown was brought on kind of late as a director and he's not really an action guy no thor yeah. notwithstanding i think he does a, a good job uh he also you know plays the heavy which he, he's fine uh yeah everyone's just like it's fine i don't really understand why this didn't I mean, it made its money back, but it wasn't a huge hit, and it didn't restart the series. Even even they bringing but, Kira Knightley, I think, doing the only time I've heard her do an American accent, and it's whoa. actually pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, that's 2014 Hollywood. If we don't make 500 million dollars, then we're not going to see another one of these things. And also, yeah. why release it in fucking January? They were going to release it in December, got cold feet seeing mm. what they were up against and pushed it back, which mm. does not say they had a lot of faith in it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say this is like blockbuster worthy, but it's it's not a child of January worthy. The, no. the movie industry's children of January, <laughs> except for ones that actually came out months earlier, technically, um, are not its best efforts. How dare you no. paraphrase the great Chris Elliott? Fancy lad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I I mean, I haven't watched the Jack Ryan series of the five Jack Ryan movies I've seen. I, you know, I put this kind of somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe uh, above Some of All Fears. I, I'm not sure. The, put it above all, Some of All Fears. Yeah, which I think is okay. Yeah. And this one is like, I see a lot of potential here. Um, I guess one big thing is like, there's a big spy heist moment and i was like "Ooh, this is fun and this is in the middle of the movie oh wait we're at the end of the movie oh <laughs> we have not spent enough time spying have we <laughs> but it's yeah no, i thought i was pleasantly surprised that for a movie that literally everyone's forgotten existed yeah. <laughs> it's like oh yeah no you could have kept doing i this. mean that's that's sure. what happens with it, that this was followed up by a bunch of one-offs they're all forgotten and if if you want a good spy movie, rent it. It's a recommend. Okay. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave the next one to you as well because I don't have kids, so I didn't have a lot of time for the next movie despite, look but, at that cast. But you're an animation fan. I am, and, and I did see I did an, see an this. An independent animated film. It is. Uh, Sarah got, got Gabriel and Glacius, Jeff Dunham. He can do voices. Uh, Stephen Lang, Catherine Heigl, Liam Neeson, uh, Brennan Fraser, and Will Arnett in The Nut Job. Cute fuzzy creatures by day. Master secret agents by night. 
On January 17th, we gotta get those nuts. Feed the park for winter. Assemble the team. It's showtime. Hey, what about me? You're blind as a bat. What? Who said that? We're going undercover. I can play dead. Watch. Ooh. I'm alive. And getting in over their heads. <laughs> What'd you have for breakfast? The Nut Job. Rated PG. In theaters January 17th. Oh, Nut Job. Do you puns? Do you like nut puns? Nut because... That's this movie's biggest selling point. I... Nut pun after nut pun after nut pun. This is one of those films made for children by people who don't have children, do not like children, <laughs> who, who think they can just shovel any garbage at children and children will eat it. Do not recommend. Yeah, like, uh, I saw the AV Club gave this an F, and I'm not here to bust anybody's nut puns because I think they're all great. And, uh, <laughs> like to, and that's all uh, I have to say about this movie. No, you want to know what this movie reminds me of more than anything? Mm-hmm. And it's it's more of a conversation point about movies and not this movie. Do you actually remember that it's, it was fairly recently that Netflix instituted its top 10 thing? Because it didn't disclose ratings or show you how well something did. They would just tell you when something broke records or did it well enough to publicize. The top mm-hmm. 10 is like the the first time we got insight into how well things are doing. Is your favorite show in the top 10? Mm, might not be <laughs> long for this world. I remember like the week after they debuted it, they debuted this movie and it's top two, <laughs> top two, the nut job. And it's a phenomenon I've never stopped remarking on pre and post streaming. Everything pre streaming, no matter how bad, how forgotten it is, will eclipse anything Netflix releases. Uh, anything that's been digitally released in the last few years. Everything from the old ways pre-streaming found ways to be enjoyed, rediscovered, and rewatched. And those movies will always win over brand new award-winning Netflix movies. So when you look at the charts, take take that into... The Nut Job was the first example I saw of that. How did this movie beat the Dolomite movie in the first week it's out? <laughs> I that cannot believe this beat the Dolomite movie. I, I, that makes me so sad. That's not, so sad. That's not specific, but Netflix puts out quality shit damn near every week, and Over the Edge 2 will completely take it over, in a, also in a pre-Leo world, which I think is kicking all unholy kinds of ass on Netflix now. Their first big, big animated hit that stuck around for weeks and it's not bad by the way because i i usually make it a point to check out these these any kind of animated movie diana's right this is not from a major studio at, at all but just looks like it yeah. is it looks like a dreamworks blue sky movie it is not mm-hmm. international distribution by the uh weinstein company <laughs> that kind no of children no Mackenzie Ashton run away <laughs> who, who better to figure out what your children like than Harvey Weinstein uh, and then none of that can hold a candle to the uh, semi unexpected but like I just say incredibly huge. profitable huge huge, huge. it and, ain't right yeah. it, it, it ain't right how how this movie is as big as it is and makes so much money <laughs> because this movie is formulaic and I have very only a couple nice things to say about it. It is formulaic, but it is it's kind of after a long period of no formulaic movies like this. And there's a mm. rising a, a rising kind of solidified star um that we we mentioned earlier and I do not mean to incur the wrath of any Cat Williams fans cuz that has literally been my favorite movie of 2024 so far. Uh Lawrence Fishburne really are, are my co-hosts are wide enough they haven't heard any of the Cat Williams news. 
No. I no, I saw some of it and I, I was gonna watch it and it was like forty five minutes. No, I'm no, like, it's it's three hours of him burying everybody in his industry and all of his peers. It is oh, unbelievably <laughs> fun to watch and I just but again, white dude wasn't even didn't have never heard of some of the people in half in more than half the controversies. Lawrence Fishburne, Brian Callen, uh, John Leguizamo, Tika Sumters, Kevin Hart, and Ice Cube in Ride Along. It is number one by a long shot. You want to marry my sister? Prove to me you got what it takes. James, you know what? You... Is he still staring? Make mm-hmm. him stop. I'm going to take you on a ride along. The hard, gritty streets. What's up, little man? What you about 311? Yeah, but you know what I'm going to do. Bro, what you going to do? Stretch? How's it going? Horrible. Gradable. Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ride along. Rated PG-13. <laughs> I laughed at the trailer. I might like... Mm-hmm. I, like, I love stand-up, but I might like Kevin Hart's movies a little more than a stand-up. I don't know. I... A little bit of a soft spot for little Kevin. I mean, it really is just, yeah. I mean, we know what we're getting. Ice Cube is going to scowl, and Kevin Hart's going to be a motor mouth coward about stuff. He's going to freak out, think he's tough, and then he's going to be brought low, and he's going to talk at a million miles an hour. You know, I, but he I, might I, save I the day in like, the end and prove his worth despite his he last. Does, though. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that was uh, okay. Here's here are a couple surprising things. This is very formulaic, but the formula was a lot less obvious. Like usually, movies that are this formulaic, you they literally tell you the formula. I mean, mm-hmm. they just said mm-hmm. you have to prove yourself to be with my sister. But there are like a couple moments where Kevin Hart just offhandedly notices a clue. And he just sort of offhandedly was like, oh, no, but the kid told me that his brother just got out of prison. Mm. And as he was like, what? And they don't make a big deal out of it. He's just kind of quietly showing his worth in between all the very, very goofy shits. So obviously, Ice Cube has, you know, his partner set up horrible things to happen to Kevin Hart intentionally. So he can realize you'll never be a cop. You're too tiny. And God damn, there's so many short jokes. Every joke is about tiny Kevin Hart. And yes, Kevin Hart is tiny. But the direction is that like... It's always like eye level for Ice Cube. So Kevin Hart is always like the camera's pointing down at him. <laughs> and it's like, look, he's a little guy, but God damn, it was like 50% of the jokes in the movie. And if you're wondering, well, John Leguizamo is playing his partner. He doesn't seem to have much of a role in this movie. I wonder if he's going to turn out to be the bad guy. guy. Yep. <laughs> Diana turned me on to that very early in the series. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it was just, it was like it was it was better than i was expecting as expecting it to be written by a computer and it was only outlined <laughs> by a computer and then humans filled it in i know exactly what you're talking about elevated <laughs> elevated wow. by people yeah. like kevin hart yeah mm-hmm. exactly and boy if you don't like kevin hart stick you're not going to make it five minutes in this movie though oh and video games do become are, are like a part of the plot the fact that he's a good gamer but he's never fired a real gun hey. but he knows all about guns from playing like call of duty of course he does and that was that was a cute detail that was actually does. believable because yes i know people <laughs> there's some gamers who know a fuck ton about assault weapons yeah <laughs> goddamn you counter-strike one. i can point at a yeah. styrog from a mile away now mm-hmm. uh, right along i would get a sequel not as successful i did yeah. what do you think the most successful kevin hart movie is Oh, good. Because I, I was just, it wasn't, I shouldn't have been surprised. Are, are you going to accept Jumanji? Uh, that, it, that is it. 
Uh, it's one. Right. It's one of them. I don't remember which, but uh, it's definitely Jumanji by a lot. Yep. Uh, let's move into 2014 television because, uh, ooh, yeah, why not? Uh, I don't even know what this is. When Calls the Heart, it premieres. It's still on in its 10th season. This is a show I've never heard of. Remember I told you we can't do this forever? When Calls the Heart is a show, you promise. I'm not being pranked. I'm not being punked. I promise you. No, I'm not on an episode of Betty White's Off Their Rockers right now. There's a show called When When Calls the Heart. Okay. It's a Hallmark show. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) It's still a show that runs 10 seasons, to be fair. Yeah. It's still on. An uncanceled yeah. show from 10 years ago? If it's not on CBS, I'm shocked. I have only heard of this show a couple of years ago because Lori Laughlin was on the show. Hell yeah. And they had to write her off the show because uh, she was part of the scandal to get her kid into, <laughs> into college and like went to jail. So, yeah. Didn't we just say the, there shouldn't be stigma of people who do time? Lori Laughlin, she's the one I'll champion first. She's so pretty. There you go. Yeah. So the plot of the TV show is it's the earliest 20th century in the Canadian West, and a young teacher from a wealthy Eastern family decides to take a teaching position in a small coal mining town and has to adapt to her new Sounds like somebody couldn't get the Green Gables right. And- <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Um, yes, yeah. cannot believe the long discussion I had about that on a hike over the break. Uh, also, JR, why don't you take this one? Because I don't know the show at all. So, uh, there's a scene in this week's episode of How I Met Your Mother where there's charges of yellow face. Um, they, they are doing Minions? a... they are doing an homage to kung fu movies Uh now at no point do the actors actual wear literal face makeup they do however wear asian costumes and they represent common characters in kung fu movies which you can interpret as asian stereotypes Mm -hmm. so there's a twitter brouhaha over over it and the producer goes on twitter and says it was meant to be an homage. I hope no one's offended. If you are offended, you've absolutely got that right to be. If you're not, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, huh? Wow. And oh, speaking of things I see on streaming platforms, my least favorite thing about Max and their merger with Discovery is placing the same importance over like Superman and the Sopranos with this franchise, the 90 Day Fiancé debuts this week, which is m- one of the more watchable shows like this, by the way. Well, it's it's another train wreck show. Yeah, yeah. You don't watch <laughs> this movie to go, wow, you guys have a really strong emotional connection. I can see how you both have strengths and weaknesses that would complement each other. You're going to do great. That's not mm-hmm. why you watch a show called no. 90 Day Fiance. When which does is she all break about... down? During the dress fitting? During the meal planning? Mm. Well, no, this is no, about it's people. It's not about wedding planning. Oh, okay. No. no. Uh, this is about the old term was mail order brides. Uh, the new term is meet someone over the internet who happens to live in a country other than your own. Okay, maybe I haven't seen this show. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I haven't seen this show. I thought I had through osmosis, but I haven't had any of the channels that it would have aired on uh, in at least over 10 years. And and if you look at Max, it's, they also have a top 10 and I'm like, fuck this show. It's constantly in the top three and like eight of its spinoffs are also as well. So unless they're lying about those results, 
someday I might know oh David Zaslov an apology because he may know what he's doing. I I feel like this show has gotten it's bigger now than it was when it debuted. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it is. gotten bigger and bigger. And yeah, just the ideas. People meeting sometimes for the first time because you can get a special visa for the fiancés of U.S. citizens to come over. And it's supposed to be for like wedding planning, but a lot of times it's them meeting for the first time and awkwardness ensues. (laughs) And then moving on to SNL, um, Sashir Sashir Zameda joins the cast of SNL, becoming the show's first Black female cast member in six years, uh, and this comes after SNL is facing criticism in 2013 for lack of a black woman among its cast. And I think we mentioned Keenan saying, I'm not playing your star Joneses anymore. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And uh, she was a great addition, and I like her so much. I've seen her live several times, and she was a great utility player. Didn't, I think, get a great breakout character of her own on the show sadly but was just so good in anything she was in stop me if you've heard me tell this story because it's from her act but i have not found it online she said i everyone thinks my name is like this beautiful african thing but i'm from a much larger minority uh than that black nerds my name is a Star Trek reference. That is the <laughs> name of the flower Captain Kirk gives somebody. On the, <laughs> her name is a Star Trek <laughs> reference, <laughs> not something super exotic and not of America. Uh, makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, and then finally we can go down the Golden Globes of ten years ago, the uh, award show that has never made a misstep in <laughs> how it votes or any of the words that have been given. No. I didn't even know it was happening this year. I, I, it's the first time in history. I walked out and like the Golden Globes happened and I was watching the movie in a theater that Emma Stone won the Globe Golden Globe for while she won it. I was watching the movie she won it for and I felt better about that than having watched the award show. But 10 years ago, yeah. what do we got? Give us some highlights. Well, we got Tina Fey and Amy Poehler fucking hosting great. again for the second time, which is fucking great. Fucking great. And and they actually do a pretty good job. They're they're following the Oscars pretty closely this year. Best Drama, 12 Years a Slave, Best Musical Comedy, American Hustle. Uh, actor and actress drama McConaughey for Dallas ba- Dallas Buyers Club, Kate Banchett for Blue Jasmine. Both those are Oscars. They get another one, right? Leonardo DiCaprio for Wolf of Wall Street as best actor in a musical or comedy. Thank mm-hmm. you for noticing that's a comedy. And uh, Amy <laughs> Adams for American Hustle. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence wins for American Hustle. Jared Leto runs for Buyers Club. Uh, best director is uh, Alfonso Cuaron for Gravity, which I think that's actually, that's, yes. Someone gets something. Uh, Spike Jones for her for best screenplay. Man, I wanted to quote my favorite joke from Amy Poehler, but I think it's on the next time they host. Mm. It's the way she delivers it is so funny. Wes Anderson is here, and as always, he rode here on a pile of antique tuba parts. And, <laughs> and uh, in TV, because remember they do both uh, yeah. best drama Breaking Bad in its final season, best musical or comedy Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think that's its first season. Brian Cranston, Robin Wright for House of Cards, Annie Samberg, Amy Poehler for Parks and Rec. Yep. Uh, behind the Candelabra wins uh, best miniseries or film. Are you Again, leaving one out, Diana? Not a problem. <laughs> Who am I leaving out? The, the Cecil B. DeMille Award for Lifetime Achievement. <laughs> It's, uh, <laughs> it's it's Woody Allen, <laughs> which is honestly really overdue as a lifetime of. achievement award. Thank you. What I a great mean, take for Diana. Woody Allen was really old ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made a lot of movies ten years ago. 
I'm, mm-hmm. I'm consistently shocked he's not dead now because so many of his contemporaries are, and he yep. doesn't. He's never looked particularly healthy, <laughs> but maybe no. people who live in walking cities live longer. They do. People look it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then last, eighty-eight but, years old. Wow, it's yep. so crazy. Last but not leastly, we'll almost never have. We can never say this about a show debuting Synergy. ten years ago. On the verge of its fourth season. <laughs> Only certain British shows have that kind of luxury. Um, or, yeah, Futurama reboots. True Detective premieres and uh, still going on in its fourth season. And if I may, I would like to go to back to that for that series as a whole. I cannot. Jodie fucking Foster in the new season of True Detective. Why isn't the world more excited? I feel old. I love Jodie Foster so fucking much. Oh, and but the True Detective series is great, and it started with this huge bang. Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. and Matthew McConaughey was that their first pairing? Because now it's mm-hmm. hard to think of them separate. And they might even be genetically related. I think. <laughs> I think they like, found well, out. Yeah, they might be. <laughs> I will go to bat to seasons two and three. I think those are genuinely yeah. good seasons. Whoa. Good high quality television. Season one is up there with the best season of television of all time. It is in the discussion. It is a tour de force from start to finish. The characters are amazing. The plot ticks along. And on a second rewatching, you're still on the edge of your seat. Yep. There's some Mr. X, but even that, that I remember I was watching it with friends and there was that action sequence in the middle of the series. And like, that was amazing. And I said, I'm pretty sure that was one long shot. And they're like, there's yep. no way that was one long shot because everybody's on the edge of their fucking seats. And, and and like, there's no way. And we had to like go either download it and put it on again. And like, holy. And then we watched it again, knowing that it was one <laughs> shot. Uh, it Just a phenomenal, just a phenomenal one. Not one season wonder. Because I think two and three are two. I think people are r- way too hard on. And yeah. it's just not. One. Because they were comparing it to one. Yeah. And this is not a uh, sequential series. This yeah. is an anthology series. Each season is meant to be its own thing, and mm-hmm. each season is meant to be different. And two's good. One is amazing. Three. One is I absolute amazing. The Mahershala season is also like rises yeah. once again. And like, I'm so glad yeah. they didn't give up on the series. If we're good. ordering it, it's one, three, two for me, mm-hmm. but they're all good. Yeah, they're all good. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait for the next one. I'm so excited to have my yep. dad's HBO login. Yep. Coming this week, <laughs> January 14th. Hopefully Ooh. you'll be listening to this while it, it starts and it, it's set in Alaska during the, the when it's all always night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I'm going to watch it with my wife this weekend because I love watching shows live, quote mm-hmm. unquote, where mm-hmm. we can't binge it. We can't get spoilers on the Internet. Yep. We can't, you know, uh, do anything but wait and think about it because those are the shows that last in my memory far more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that would be my recommendation if you haven't watched True Detective. Definitely watch season one. But space it out. Do one a day. Yeah. Have time to kind of talk about it, soak it up, think about what you think is going to happen next. You know, don't don't just run right through it. I mean, I think one a day would be an incredible viewing Savor experience. it. Savor it. True, in True Detective, through the the characterization of McConaughey's character, 
that becomes who everybody thinks McConaughey is. And it's not. The time is ter- a flat circle, Tom's man. flat circle, man. Like, it's not terribly <laughs> far off because I have heard him in interviews. <laughs> he's definitely gotten a little dadlier in his age. And um, I don't know. I, I really like McConaughey at this point in a way I didn't 10 years ago before this show. What a great mm-hmm. fucking performance. Woody Harrelson, yep. great performance. It's the exact same performance he gives in everything. It- no, I kind of disagree. He's oh, really? a straight man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's usually not the straight man. He usually, he's the kind of wacky guy. Oh, I don't know. Three billboards? Uh, yeah. I mean, that may have been true when well, Cheers was on the games. air, but I no, think he's I mean, expanded. Three, the three billboards is later, but yeah, I mean, if, okay. I mean, I'm going back to the cowboy 2012 way. and uh, <laughs> what's it called? You know, white, white men, men can't, can't jump. jump. I guess that yeah, has been but, our Woody No, but even... Go, go, 2012 the movie 2012 i feel like that's emblematic of like what he was doing a lot of the time is just showing up as a character who's wacky as fuck and then he disappears oh, <laughs> and you're like oh well that was a lot of fun hi what, woody what do you mean this job requires pants if that don't beat all <laughs> true detective you know, and then, then he would do more serious stuff you know the messengers i think yeah. he was in that right yeah but it's weird to have him be the straight guy Oof. So we don't do a year end on television or games because that's too much fucking time. But mm-hmm. this would definitely make the year end list of television shows from 2014, 2004, 1994 that you absolutely should watch. Listeners, yeah. huge, huge recommend if you have not watched this. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I, this was it was mind blowing in a way I didn't think television could still be having lived to see so much of it. And just by being quiet and scary and beautiful set Mm -hmm. in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. which is just like the creepiest state. I really do think (laughs) that's the, just like, if you're going to have weird shenanigans going on, Louisiana, Louisiana should be your go-to place. Do it with, do it in the state with the most cities underwater and the place 12 years a slave is set. Louisiana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, there's a there's a lot of bayous you can dump bodies in. Mm-hmm. Just say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True Detective, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, and then uh, lastly, we got games of 2014. This is a bittersweet one. The Banner Saga is out on PC and iOS. Would eventually grow to a full fledged trilogy, and was a very you know me, I like games that look like a cartoon, and this is the one, even though the gameplay was never really much my bag, it was always worth looking at, though. If I'm not mistaken, I think the whole company was laid off like just a week ago or something like that uh, after yeah. several acquisitions. Uh, but gorgeous, gorgeous game, uh, hand-drawn art style, Ooh, all about look- Viking folklore and Ooh. mythology. Yeah. Look I'm at looking picture. at it. It looks gorgeous. Yes, it is gorgeous. Shit. I don't think I've ever seen this before. It looks Ooh. like the uh, Bakshi Hobbit movies. And um, <laughs> yeah, Banner Saga, PC and iOS. It's on every platform, if you're curious, because uh, as of now, so I think you can play it pretty yeah, much. Play it on games. your iPad as you're going to bed at night. It's got a really gripping and an emotional narrative as well, which is, you know, rare for video games, to be honest. Yeah, especially the t- like a tactics turn-based kind of game. And uh, yeah, with that, we are pretty much done with the entries in the show. We're going to real quickly tell you who died and who was born. The quiz you can play along with about who was born during this period of 30, 2010. But let us get some light plugs out real fast, like patreon.com slash laser time. We don't really want passports. Cash is preferred, depending on how much passports are going for right now. It's got to be more than Bitcoin. Uh, but patreon.com slash laser time. Give us five bucks. We'll give you extra podcasts uh, over shit hundreds at this point including upcoming one about gremlins uh we got what else we got godzilla 
Uh, didn't you guys just do one on, was it Strange Brew? No. Yeah, we did Strange Brew a while ago. Yeah. 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 It's fun. Yeah. Tons of stuff over there. All our VGA extras, if you can watch us become not not friends with one another in our ranking show of the year. Very good. Patreon.com slash gives five bucks. Die, what about you? Where can folks find you? Hey, you can find me on Blue Sky at listenerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or, uh, yeah, that's about it. You yeah. can follow each other. You just got to follow me. I'll let you know what's going on and what we recommended each episode. Coming up next week, uh, we've got a thriller with uh, Richard Gere and Sharon Stone. I mean, the, the king and queen of the erotic thriller. Ooh. I just, I guess, well, now you need Michael Douglas in there. Anyway, um, we have a movie tie-in video for a song that hits number one that is one of the dumbest videos I have ever seen in my whole fucking Ooh, life. What a tease. Not one, not two, but three stars in it. You know what it is, Chris. You said it to us like, look at this shit. And I was like, I know. I know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Well, you'll find out. You'll be so surprised. Uh, Ashton Kutcher is going to travel through time. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, Aaron Eckhart's going to be Frankenstein. Bruce Dern's going to go on a road trip with Will Forte. And the most memorable moment from a not very memorable presidential election. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And if that wasn't enough, we are going to see William Shatner's finest literary work come to the small screen. Oh, tech war. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would call this the first, at least, major televised drama about lesbians. Yeah. Oh. Hard to argue. Yeah. The best pirate TV show of all time. Man, you, mm-hmm. you've mentioned several as far as the show has gone. <laughs> And I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. Wow. No. Holy. He just wants to help. Uh, oh, oh, Beth. <laughs> I do love that. That was my gateway episode. Mm-hmm. And all right. But I, with that out of the way, who is dead this week? Wow. We we lost some, some heavy hitters this week. 1993, we lost Harry Nilsson, who's only 52. Fuck you, congenital heart defects. Yeah. This guy he is all over rock history. Can he I, did fucking. Can everything. I highlight mine just for because you'll have way more because I don't know him other than like I forget at some point the Beatles were asked who do you like and they just yes all of them said Harry Nilsson. I yes. know him. He has the best musical moment in the movie Goodfellas, which has sixty yes. great musical moments, the helicopter sequence, and he wrote the music for Richard Williams pre Roger Rabbit Christmas hmm. special Ziggy's Christmas Gift a mostly silent beautifully animated harry nilsson scored forgotten christmas special you can find on youtube again 10 months from now you are not allowed to watch it when it's not christmas yeah i cannot recommend the album nilsson schmilson enough <laughs> because it is an album that has everything on it it's got like songs that sound like beatles songs it's got like songs that sound like rolling stones it's got harder rock it's got softer it's got a power ballad without you which is like one of the great power ballads of all time it's he is all over the place. Yeah, John Lennon like fell in love with him. Like mm-hmm. they were they were pros. Then in two thousand four, we lost Ron O'Neill, who was sixty six. He was super fly. Oh shit! Best movie and, soundtrack of all time. Ah, yeah, probably. Yes, yeah, I think that's pretty fantastic. fair to say. And we also lost, also lost Uta Hagen, who is eighty four. She was mostly known as an acting teacher. She taught both Gene Hackman and Robert De Niro. 
but also originated the role of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. And then, in 2014, we lost a true hero, and that's not a pun, but Hiro Onoda, mm. who's 91, who was a Japanese soldier from World War II, who did not surrender. He hid out in the Philippines, starting with there were four of them, and eventually his bros gave up or were killed. But he did not surrender until 1974. Wow, holy shit. Yeah. 29 yeah. years of fighting by himself. By, by himself. They had to go find his former commanding officer. To they identify him? leaflets, and his leaflets were like, we don't believe you. This is propaganda. Yeah. No. Well, and, and obviously surrendering would, would be, you know, disgraceful. So, yeah. yeah. So they had to go find the guy who had been his commanding officer, bring him out, to the middle of nowhere in the Philippines and be like, please go talk to this guy. <laughs> Holy <laughs> because shit. he keeps, he's, he's got a guerrilla campaign. He's shooting at people. He's stealing shit. And it's going on for 30 years. And he's like, you know how I bet they coaxed him out? Hero, new game, Dungeons and Dragons. It is the best. <laughs> you gotta come, <laughs> come on, come out of the jungle, buddy. <laughs> yep. Oh, so, right. You well, know what's weird though? He is not the last Japanese soldier to Jesus. surrender. There is another guy in Indonesia who lasted a couple more months. Oh, okay. I thought it was still alive and won't surrender. No, no, just a couple months. Just a couple months. Mm. But yeah, these guys, they 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 were supposed to die for the emperor, and God damn it, they're going to die for yep. the emperor. And I've heard this guy be given as a reason for why the atomic bomb was justified. If soldiers would have fought for 29 years, mm. how mm. else were you to get the surrender? Mm. Yeah, read up on Hiro Onoda. It's it's a hell of a story. That is a and, he, and that he lived you know in the rough in the mountains for that long, and he still made it to ninety one. Oh, mm. that is a movie mm. waiting to happen. Good lord! Yeah. All right, with those deaths out of the way, what do we got, Jr.? We have the birthday quiz. Okay, would be turning seventy five dead if he was still alive. Ah, I knew it. I win. Born. January 17, 1949, in New York City, oldest of three children in a middle-class Jewish family. His mother was a former fashion model, and his father was a jewelry salesman. So I'm just, this is a stab in the dark, just because I noted it compared to my dad's age when he died. Is it Ray Liotta? It is not. <clears throat> no. He began performing at children's birthday parties at nine. Ronald McDonald? Pl no. Oh. Playing records and cartoons. Andy Kaufman. Uh, he, it is Andy Kaufman. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Nope. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. What? I, I, sorry. I'll shut up. I really would like to hear you just give me a bite-sized look at Andy Kaufman's career because I love that man. He spent much of his youth writing poetry and stories, including an unpublished novel, The Hollering Mangu, which he completed at age 16. Wow. In August of 1969, he hitchhiked to Las Vegas to meet Elvis Presley, showing up unannounced at the International Hotel. Soon after, he began performing at coffee houses and developing his act, as well as writing a one-man play, Gosh, which was published <laughs> in the year 2000. <laughs> wow. TV shows he's been on include Van Dyke and Company, Share and Other Fantasies, Stormy Justice, six episodes of SNL, and Taxi. 
and that's when I expected you guys to get it. And if you didn't get it after Taxi, blah blah blah, Jim Carrey played him. Playing records and comics. That's where I got it. Um, Yeah, Mighty Mouse Baby. Wow. Uh, Wow. uh, I would, and I would not mention there. No offense, Jr. Is Andy's love of wrestling. For my money, one of the best documentaries you can ever watch about a very real thing that happened in wrestling is I'm from Hollywood. I, I'm from Hollywood. Andy Kaufman, it is now up on YouTube again. Its rights are all over the place. I think the WWE owns most of that footage and doesn't care that much to show it. It's, a, it's directed, by his, uh, directed by his widow. It has Robin Williams and David Letterman in the documentary treating this like it's a real situation even though it is very much a wrestling storyline of Andy Kaufman antagonizing the South for months <laughs> telling introducing them to soap and toothbrushes uh, from afar so Jerry Lawler can kick the shit out of him it is a hilarious documentary you will not believe how it escalates from him wrestling beating up women in the ring <laughs> to getting his ass kicked over and over again by Jerry Lawler it's hysterical I'm from Hollywood watch it ah uh, damn so He'd only be seventy five. He could he could still be alive. That's that's he's he's a uh, year younger than my dead. father. He is not alive. There is no alive. evidence of it. It would be super cool, listeners. I'd love it if he was popped out for his seventy fifth birthday and mm-hmm. said, you know, something cool <laughs> and witty. Uh but no, mm-hmm. he's dead. Yeah. Cancer's a bitch. Yeah. And I just want to bring it up here because I had to we talked about the Jim Carrey documentary. Um Jim and Andy, fantastic. So much better than the movie. On so yeah, much I better. I thought so too. <laughs> so much better than the movie. But now Jim Carrey has a reputation for being a method asshole. He's fucking with everybody. The people he's fucking with on the set are only the millionaires. I don't think he's fucking with everybody else. And he, they interviewed him at such a weird time when they made that documentary. I think recently after his girlfriend committed suicide. And he sounds like, ah, yeah, just looking out the edge of the universe. I think he's in a weird moment. And I think he was teaming up with his widow who made the documentary just talked about in Bob's Muda to do something weird with Universal's money. Jim Carrey has no other evidence of being a method actor ever. I think that's what he was doing. He was making a weird movie for in the spirit of Andy for Andy's friends and loved ones with Universal's money. Funny. (laughs) It's funny. Andy Kaufman rules. All right. That is it for the show. Whew, what are we clo- What are we? What are we All going right. out with, Diana? I'm giving. I'm giving you a smorgasbord of Nilsson just to show how diverse his work is. Got to get up. Jopin's Nilsson Schmilson. That sounds like it's a Paul McCartney song. You got coconut lime in the coconut. Drink it all up. Now you got everybody's talking from freaking Midnight Cowboy. It's probably the most famous song. one, other than Jump in the Fire famous. from Goodfellas. And then you got Jump in the Fire, which is like hardcore mm. one of the best rock songs ever we've played it on this show before have I we really we probably played it for goodfellas because it's like that there's a lot of music cues all over that movie but that's the one people probably know the least and then they hear it and go yep i know that song the tension of driving around on cocaine trying to find someone <laughs> to buy these fucking silencers and they don't fit these guns what yeah. are you doing your head's all fucked up yeah. Yeah. your brain's in the mush stop stop so, using that shit yeah so, anyone got a got a favorite? Uh, I'm going to go with Diana's favorite because the only one I know off the top of my head is everybody's talking. But what what is your favorite, Diana? It's almost your birthday in a few months. Uh, in six months, <laughs> I, it's know. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> know. Just um, trying to make you decide. I think I'm going to go with "Gotta Get Up" because it is an incredibly charming song, and yeah, it's Solid one of those. Choice. 
one of those songs that people probably think is a Beatles song that is like most ELO. <laughs> yeah, I no, but it is it is a really it's it is a good song for waking up to. Play it while you're in the shower; you'll feel good about yourself. Awesome. Patreon.com/slash/lasertime. I'm from Hollywood. Jr. Diana. Every one of you out there, happy New Year! Still, uh, we will see you next week. Gotta get-